The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter and CB Caps on Instagram. South Carolina with Columbia down the way. And the sound effect you heard comes from none other than our sound provider, our man in Brooklyn. He, I can safely say for a fact that he is not a cat. Yeah. <laughs> Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Hello, Brooklyn! <laughs> Indeed. Um... Well, this is Combo Chronicles, as you well know, and you can find this here um, program on the Coast of the Podcast Network at CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find this here podcast on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast page, uh, uh, Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe. Yeah, smash that like button. <laughs> but yes, you can also find us re- recording every Thursday ish night Thursday night. Um and if you're here watching us live, hey, how you doing? On the uh YouTube channel of the Click Nation, that's uh youtube.com slash the click nation or twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles all one word. Again, hit like and subscribe. There it is. So, folks, um, actually, wait, um, I guess we wanted to wish, uh, before we go any further, wish everyone a, a, a Merry Lunar, U- Lunar New Year to those that's yes. right. Yes, it is Lunar New Year's Eve, so Gongsi Fatsai, Gongsi Fatsoi, Happy Lunar New Year, and uh, basically what I said is hope you get rich, and... Folks, let's you know. Let's hope we all get rich together. Yes, indeed. And let's hope some of the rich people get poor. There you <laughs> go. So, but yes, that being the case, though, we are going to start off this uh, here podcast with the books of the week, like we normally do. Um, as my um. Some of y'all probably won't be able to hear that in an out recording. So if you don't, don't worry about it, sweetheart. Don't worry about it. Anyway, we're gonna start off with the books of the week. Starting off with Taskmaster number three. Taskmaster number three. It's written by one of our 
uh, uh, favorite writers. That is Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Vitti, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Believe it or not, this is one of my potential clicks of the week. This issue was supremely fun. And it is a blast reading it from the Taskmaster's uh, point of view. And in his voice, um, you know, without spoiling where we are in, in uh, issue three of this um, uh, uh, of this uh, five-issue limited series, uh, the title of the, the, the story arc is The Rubicon Trigger. And, you know, just to recap where we've been uh Maria Hill apparently has been killed and the taskmaster has allegedly been framed for this particular murder. And he's on the run trying to prove his innocence with the help of one Nick Fury Jr. Um, what we, what we have in this issue, and it's not a big spoiler because it's teased on the front cover is that, uh, we have, um, the taskmaster venturing to South Korea and dealing with the white Fox. That is his target. Um, we see that the taskmasters always is extremely capable mimicking moves without knowing their proper names, which is hysterical. Yeah. That, that part right there was a uh, pretty funny. It was like, yeah, I wish I it was like, I wish I knew the, the names, of all these cool moves that, that I stole from people basically. <laughs> Right. I mean, that obviously touches upon one of the things that came up when uh, Brew Baker and Fraction uh, redid the Iron Fist's origin or expanded upon his origin and 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 um, and and that whole naming of the martial arts moves really became uh, a, a thing in the martial arts corner of the Marvel universe, you know, and it's even moved on to it's even progressed into uh, the pages of uh comic books that have uh shang chi in it so um it, you know that's a that's definitely a trend that started back then yeah. uh, one of the cool parts of this issue is that there is a point where he is confronted by the black widow and he's terrified absolutely petri- petrified just can't get you know like he's he's literally you know like pooping his pants peeing in his pants and and, and the only way he gets out of it is he's literally maybe not literally but quite figuratively pulls a rabbit out of his hat to escape right you can that was the other thing about this episode uh, the, about this issue that was kind of cool because you could see like clearly anytime you have seen and especially in another well because he shows up in another book this week uh relatively capable but you know a lot of times especially in current um in, in current continuity taskmasters is kind of like a hey i'm an opening arc villain or the opening issue villain that people tend to take down real easily even though you know he's a master of mimicking other people's moves and he's quite formidable actually quite formidable you know and therefore it's sometimes actually very prepared for the people he ends up you know running into uh, with the exception of, you know, he apparently wasn't expecting, even though he knew she was on his tail, he wasn't expecting to run into Black Widow uh, at this point in time. But the the one good thing that this issue kind of shows off is that, um, like, he's good at, uh, he's pretty good at improv. You know, like, he, he pretty much rolls with a situation, even though sometimes it's like, you know, the last couple of issues kind of gone bad for him. <laughs> But he still happens to make the best of the situation, which, you know, to his credit, that's uh, that's a cool thing, you know. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, back in the day when Taskmaster showed up, I'm like, yeah, this, this is this gonna uh, this is gonna take a minute. Right, and and it's funny, you know, he uh, you know he mimics moves and also styles because mm-hmm. when confronted with the White Fox, he basically he basically says to himself, well. We're in really close quarters in a narrow hallway, so I can't break out the big swordsman broadsword, but I can use a knife, and I've seen the Winter Soldier with a knife, so that'll have to do. So that's a, you know, it's a pretty cool, you know, it's it's a great way uh, to remember or to reference his uh, photo reflex ability, mm-hmm. where he can, I guess, pull that stuff out on a whim, right. you know, just, just reference it as he, as, as someone would a database or a Rolodex back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't know if he was a hero, I would say that would be a cool thing, but at the same time, I don't know this. Um, there's a weird affinity I've actually had with Taskmaster. I don't too much currently like him, like him, you know, like a, a whole lot, but I've always, whenever he used to show up in the past, I'm like, all right, let's, let, let's see how this is going to go. Um, but also, if uh, if you've played uh, Marvel Heroes, the, the video game, there's this, and I know I showed it to you, Agent 70, uh, there's this neat video where he's um, he's uh, doing a commercial for his uh, Taskmaster Institute where he's training up thugs to be. Right. Which is really good if you if you've uh, if you've ever seen that commercial, because I know it's out there on the, uh, on the YouTube. Maybe I might put it in the in the show notes. But um, right. But that that all being said, it was like, no, nah, this is like this is just a formidable as dude, and you know, despite being a you know, I don't want to say a dirty mercenary, but I guess you know, he's just <laughs> he is what he is, sure. you know. Right. He's even he's even made an appearance in uh, one of the Capcom Marvel fighting games where mm-hmm. he he obviously possesses so many of the uh the the attri- he 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 possesses attributes and abilities similar to so many of the characters in the game you know sometimes watered down sometimes not uh that uh you know that that makes the character very fun to play so i definitely he's in one of the later versions i think it's like ultimate marvel versus capcom 3 he yeah, been in two. exactly he, he i think might it's have three. been in 2 um I want to say he was in three. I don't think he was in two. No, he, he was but, probably uh, definitely in three. But I'm thinking I want to say he might have shown up earlier than that. But I would have to look up, look it up. Right. Same, same, same. Yeah. But yeah, definitely um, uh, um, Marvel vs. Capcom fans uh, will definitely know some uh, some Taskmaster. So, but uh, that being said, though, but yeah, like I said, this issue uh, was, was very fun it, as it tends to be, and given the writer, we kind of expected as much, you know, given the, you know, Jim McKay on uh, Black Cat is one of our other favorites here. And as uh, Agent 70 said, like, yeah, Jim McKay is kind of one of our uh, newer favorite writers at this point. Sure. And there's, he just has a great deft touch at moments that are just simply funny. Just as he it ha- gains the upper hand on both uh, White Fox and the Black Widow, he's uh, uh, talking to himself. Just two little steps. But what if <laughs> I, you know, what 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 if I do this? But what if this happens? Uh, and 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 something happens, and Taskmaster is just like, nope. <laughs> right. <laughs> He was like, uh, no, I'm good. But actually, <laughs> like, which nope. actually kind of made me um, put me in mind of Black Widow's 
you know, most recent, um, you know, most recent miniseries where people were, right. were kind of having that same dilemma, but ended up going to, you know, ended up making a choice that we haven't necessarily mm-hmm. seen, seen come back on, but you know, which wait, that, I think that did finish. I can't remember. No, actually, I'm not sure if it did finish. Speaking of that, but regardless, um, because I do remember where that where we left off on that book, but I don't remember if it actually finished or not. Uh, but yeah, I thought that part right there was kind of funny. But he left a little something behind, or whether what whether that goes into something or not, you know, <laughs> we shall see in the next uh, issue. Which um, also brings to the point that uh, you brought up the whole Maria Hill thing earlier, and I know this is something that was spoiled like before, well before issue one. We right. So there's shades of that that came up in this, or at least thinking about it, because Tyson Master kind of was, as he's monologuing to himself, an internal monologuing to himself, kind of thinking about the situation. And he's basically talking about, you know, the, the, the people that are involved and, you know, whether they may or may not be more directly involved with or being played or, you know, whether everybody is being played or not. So you kind of put that out there in the universe as, as a thing. Which honestly, part of me was like, yeah, that, that this sounds like something uh, Nick Fury would do to kind of get, you know, Taskmaster to do something that he didn't want to directly be, you know, involved in for whatever reason, whatever the end goal would be, you know, for Taskmaster's mission. But at the same time, it could be anybody doing anything, you know? Right. So it very, like he said, he was pretty much said, like, yeah, all of us might seem like we're being played here and he didn't like it. So. Sounds like there's going to be another um, another thing coming to play in the next issue two or two. Well, and there has to be in the next issue because the last you know there's only two more issues left. Mm-hmm. So that's being said, um, unless you got something else you you want to mention about it, we can push on. No, we can push on. All right. Um, what you got? Uh, how about? No, you didn't read this, I don't think. You stayed away from all Kingdom Black stuff again, right? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Let me take a look at your list. Um, Hmm. Excalibur number 18? Sure, why not? All right, so this is written by Tinny Howard with art by Marcus Toe. Um, I think he does the 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 uh, the pencils and inks on this. Uh, yeah, uh, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. So uh, some of the suspicions that we had. Uh, coming into this issue may be proven correct in that the Betsy that has returned to Krakoa is likely not the Betsy everyone was hoping for. Meanwhile, uh, we find out that Richter has um, inherited uh, some of the um, secrets of mutant quote-unquote magic that Apocalypse had been tapping into prior to him abandoning Krakoa for Arako. You know, without spoiling too much, because there's a bunch of stuff going on that I guess is still being developed uh, for the pages of Excalibur, but in very broad strokes, that's where we are right now. Right. And part of me is like, well, okay, we kind of knew this from 
you know, if you read the solicits and or the news that surrounds books uh, every now and then, then you would know, like, of course, there's something something in it. But if you just kind of go into it, even knowing that sometimes if you go into it, it's like, I just want you want to see how this plays off. Like, yeah, you kind of you, you kind of figure that. OK, despite Betsy being back, something's not right. And Excalibur is even here. It's like, well, we don't know. Like those various members is like, uh, especially Rogue particularly is like, you know, does something ain't seem right in the water? <laughs> Which there you go, Betsy was in, was it come back in, came in back in some water. So I guess that that worked out also. But um, exactly. Uh, and so they tried to sit there and keep um, keep the secret from folks and didn't do it well. Mm. Um, Oh no! Or if, even if they were really trying, which but if they had good reasons for it, as we couldn't find out in the in the the, the during the course of the book, right? But, um, but yeah, we knew this is leading up to to um, something in a couple of issues. What we still actually don't know, but we know in twenty, like it, well, we know if you like I said, read the solicits or and or news, you know, something's gonna uh, it's gonna come to a head or in twenty, because it did mm-hmm. kind of even if you even if you didn't know that piece of it it does seem kind of weird it's like okay the big thing they made to do with her you know being dealt with in in x of swords you know already which i well i'll say a big thing because i felt like they almost they kind of just like did it and just dropped it almost but it was in service of kind of leading to to this i guess um, and that being the case, like, well, we knew they were going to at some point come back to it and it couldn't be just so cut and dry. I was like, oh yeah, here we go. She's back. Here's a go. Mm-hmm. So to its credit, you know, it, it did definitely have that for it. Um, and yeah, wherever the whole Richter and the, the mutant magic thing is going to go. And I noticed they did talk about joining powers again, which I feel like is also a thing that's probably going to lead to what we found out in Hoxpox. Uh, the future stuff, which we, which the Xbox haven't gone back to yet in, in right. full strides. Right. Um, but I, I feel like some of that is also in service of that. It's kind of something similar to what, what's going on in New Mutants, where they're training the, 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 the new kids to synergize their powers with each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's they're making a call out to that, and they may touch on the future stuff in, in a, uh, coming up soon, but we don't know. It may be a while. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, especially because that would be probably seems like something that they wouldn't want to do just coming out of a big event. You know. Right. If, if there's one thing that we have had to deal with this month and in the wake of Ten of Swords is reestablishing the storylines that had come before the big crossover. And even I had some problems with reestablishing, not so much here in Excalibur, but in X-Force that was out this week, uh, where we had left off. And I just didn't have the, the... the 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 time and the wherewithal to to backtrack and see where we had left off pre um ten of swords with regards to some of the storylines that get picked up here this is not exactly a direct uh continuation of the first issue in that came out in the wake of uh 
of uh, I'm I'm actually speaking more for X Force, but um, Excalibur I think flows a little bit more neatly, obviously because of the central role that Betsy uh, plays, or at least played uh, in the beginning, or at least part of Ten of Swords. So this is you know direct fallout. So it's not as hard to pick up where we left off. True. True. Very true. But yeah, I, yeah, and the one thing about X Factor, uh, X Factor, X Force that gets picked. Well, I said I hadn't read this this week's issue, so I'm not sure what entirely they go into. But yeah, the but from the last issue, like even then, it was like yeah, there was one piece of this like I had was like oh yeah, right, there was that thing that they were kind of dealing with that they touched on, but still kind of just went to something else. That right, was, you know, that just so happened to happen right after Ten of Swords. Mm-hmm. Um. So who even knows? That being the case, um, I think we're done with Excalibur. So we can push on to another book. Big one. Hmm. I hmm. Let's do FF actually. All right, sounds good. So Fantastic uh, Four number twenty nine, folks. Go for it. Uh, written by Dan Slott. Uh, let's see. I did actually do the, 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 the legwork on this one. Written by Dan Slott. Artist by Z- is uh, Zay Carlos. Colorist uh, Jesus Abertov. Lettering by VCs Joe Caramanga. Uh, it is a King and Black tie-in, which, which I, as I say in my notes, basically King and Black catches up with the FF as opposed to the other way around. Right. <laughs> um... But we also see the reappearance of the Baxter Building in its original form, apparently. Not the Baxter Building, but the... I mean, not the Baxter Building, excuse me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ford and Yancey Street, excuse me. Sorry, sorry. Right. Like, uh, just to touch upon one of the things that we talked about when they were dealing with the Griever and they shrunk it, uh, there there are some side effects, some ramifications of that. It's not they have not quite uh, they're not quite able to um, re- regain everything that was inside Forianti Street um, when they shrunk it down. You know, there are a couple of things that that are either missing or or or, or gone um, as a result of the uh, of the shrinking and the folding in of uh, Forianti Street. So we'll see if that plays a role moving forward once we're out of the King and Black tie-ins. Right. Or even as we're in the King and Black tie-ins. Exactly. Yeah, it is not the uh, TARDIS as, it, the, as uh, much of a TARDIS as it once was. Ah, I have no idea what that means, but okay. That's <laughs> okay. Doctor Who fans will, will, will catch that reference. It's fine. But yeah, so there's um, so from that, you know, you get uh, the whole thing with Johnny and Sky, um, because apparently some of the some of the loss that happens was uh, Johnny's room, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny and Sky's room, I guess at, at that, and um, so they go out and do a thing, which leads to one very Snoopy Sue, um. You know, following them around as they're being all cute and and all soulmatey, because um, as if for, so, folks that don't know, Sky is a is, is an alien from this other planet, and she believes in she, their whole thing believes in soulmates, which apparently Johnny is. I feel mm-hmm. like at some point they're gonna do something and kill that, but I kind of hope they don't. Uh, okay, because I kind of feel like she's good for him. 
but you know she could do better but he, but but she's good for him it's <laughs> funny uh but that being said but that was, but also leads into um you know a, a slight little argument when when sue gets found out but also just goes into service to lead into uh Basically catches us up with the uh, what's go- what happened in King and Black up to a point. Because they do reference uh, one book. They don't necessarily... So there was a panel in there that actually kind of weird was weird. Because when we see it catch up to King and Black, we see a... And, and granted, I've not read any of the main King and Black stuff to know if, if that's, you know, any part of that is how it played out. But when right. it does end up catching up, you see a person uh, who has a particular task during the the events of um, of King and Black. But it made it. But they almost made it seem like, at least to me, made it seem like they were one of the ones that got swallowed up um, by the the Venom symbiote stuff. Like, granted, that just could be how the the uh, the panel, you know, looked. Uh, but outside of that, you know, uh, and I do know enough about what happens in the main book to, to know Johnny's part of it, or at least part of Johnny's mm-hmm. part of it that it gets hinted up. So we kind of get caught up on that right. and, you know, what happens to some of the, the other heroes and um, like I said, that that one part and then and ends up kind of focusing on uh, one of the members of the four for um, for the rest of the issue as they try to deal with what's going on around them and try to regroup. Um, and also leads to the last page of something not right in the water, which they don't know. So outside of the fact that it was the King of Black tie-in, which, you know, we know this is a line-wide thing, so we knew it was going to happen at some point. Uh, and, and as we've said before, FF is one of the books that was kind of late to the game, so to speak, uh, in being tied in. Right. But um, you know, we're finally caught up, and we'll see how how that plays out next uh, issue. Right, we have one more tie-in issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's pretty much wrapping up, right? Um, at this point, uh, or is it? No, we still have another month. Oh, okay. We're definitely going into March. We still have two more main, I believe. Mini series, two more issues in the main mini series. Gotcha. So, yeah, there we are with that with uh, with FF. I don't know if you had anything else to to go on that. No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um. So, uh, if you got another, unless you got another book to uh, toss out there, we can go to rapid. Uh, I think we can go into a rapid fire because we don't have too much more crossover. So I'll spin it up. Okay. You know the sound. Rapid fire, cuz. <laughs> All right. So uh, first up for me is Radiant Black number one. This is an image book. It's written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa. Letters by Becca Carey. Uh, a writer is really down on his luck in this issue and is forced to move back home. He goes out for a drink with an old friend and shenanigans ensue. They run into a random floating energy phenomena phenomenon because it's a singular thing phenomenon and bam 
costume and superpowers, but he may not be the only one in the same situation. Da, da, da. Yeah, so I'm I'm, uh, I'm actually interested in this book because this is Kyle Higgins who wrote uh, who was pretty much the the, the, the beginning writer of uh, Power Rangers, uh, right? When, when that started off, and I enjoyed his run on his run of that and the other book that. Um, Actually, he didn't do it with the other book, uh, but regardless, I enjoyed his run of uh, of that. So I was actually looking forward to to reading this, but I didn't get a chance to. But also, phenomena, dun, 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 dun. Ah. phenomena. Dun, dun, <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is Amazing Spider-Man number fifty-nine, written by Nick Spencer with pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Wayne Foucher, colors by Maury Hollowell and Andrew Crossley, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Spencer Spidey doesn't seem to have the same heart that Slots had. That's just my two cents. In this issue, Mr. Negative is back and is in cahoots with Mayor Fisk. As I said previously, we may be seeing a redux of the Spider-Verse movie plot. Yeah, and I actually wanted to uh, ask you about the, the Mr. Negative thing, because did that little reveal... That happened. That 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 was just one off mentioned. Was that something that was actually already always the case, or was that like a, a retcon reveal of? Uh, I mean, I have the spoiler bill if you want. Sure. So um, Martin Lee is talking to Aunt May while the while the Spidey is fighting, or I guess before the fight kind of starts, and he just kind of mentions to her that he's not the real Martin Lee. That Martin Lee is dead, and he took took his name. Or this person took his name. So I don't know if that was a thing that was like already a thing with uh, Mr. Negative's. Um... I don't know if that particular part of the mystery right. had become clear to Aunt May or to the rest of the readership. Mm-hmm. But I know that um, I, I'm actually not 100% sure, but I'm fairly certain that May you know, obviously knew of the Mr. Negative connection. That's why, you know, uh, she had left the feast center and, 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 and was trying to reopen it on her own in the wake of all the reveals of Mr. Negative, mm-hmm. um, and his involvement. But, uh, I'm not hundred percent sure that that entire aspect of his origin was known to us and to the characters in the story. Gotcha. Okay. Anything else on that? No, I think you you pretty much covered it. All righty. Next up for me is Daredevil number 27. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Marco uh, Cacchetto and Mike Hawthorne, inks by Marco Cacchetto and Adriano Di Benedetto. Um, Colors by Marco Meniz and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the second part of the King and Black crossover, and it sees Electra Devil, uh, that's that's my little uh, clever wordplay, take on a nullified typhoid Mary, while Daredevil fights Null's attempt at possessing him while in Riker's Island. All right, next up is Eternals number two. Uh, it's written by Kieran Gillen with art by Isa Rubich. Colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. In this issue, we have a battle between Icarus versus Thanos, with an assist from Sprite. 
possibly happening in the distant past, we're not sure. It seems that um, this may be happening in the present, but because there is a flat, there seems to be a flashback sequence. It's hard to tell. There is a mystery here, and the mystery of this opening story arc continues. It's enough, I think, to draw people in and to keep them coming back. If you are a fan of uh, Isad Rubich's artwork, I think it's enough to keep you coming back. If you don't care for the Eternals, it's, a, I think, a tougher sell. But knowing that they are developing these characters for... I guess a more broader presence in the Marvel universe. I think it's worth sticking to it and seeing where it goes. Yeah. I would argue also, if you're a fan of Kieran Gillian and what he tends to do with, uh, uh, uh with characters and books, then yeah, it would probably also be, uh, worth your time, uh, popping on this. There is definitely a mystery going on here, which like, you know, we definitely get that one way or the other and or the other, but also, it seems, at least to me, like yeah, there is definitely a mystery to the reader because I'm sitting here like, while I kind of know what's going on here, I'm like, what is going on here? Because, like you said, with the with the fight and the time stuff and the um, you know, the 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 fact that they just pretty much stopped the fight. It's like, hold on, here's this other <laughs> here's this other story. We're just gonna have to uh, we're just bring it in as a, as a story before we get back to the main thing. Which whether that is going to you know come across to be anything uh in, right in the future and now it's like that was weird to just just stop this whole to stop that whole fight and just put this whole thing in the middle of it and then it's like all right now back to what we're you know <laughs> transition back to what we were talking about uh uh before that right but that's all Alrighty, next for me is king in black black panther number one Surprise, surprise, this is actually also another potential click of the week. It's actually pretty good. It's written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Herman Peralto, who did a bang-up job on the first Maestro miniseries that we got earlier, uh, late late last year, earlier this year. Uh, colors by Jesus uh, Abertov and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, as I said earlier, this is a potential click of the week for me, believe it or not. Uh, it's not, it's not a, uh, um, it's not a normal thing for these one shots to be good enough to be eligible for uh, click of the week. But it, the, this is one of those rare times, uh, the art reflecting the invasion of Wakanda by the forces of null is just really, really good. T'Challa and Shuri lead the defense of Birnanzana. Shuri comes up with a uh, comes up with a way to be in several places at once. While T'Challa improvises a way to fight off Null using a familiar foe's weapon together with the barrier defending the city. So I would actually recommend this to uh, Roddy Cat because I think it's one of the few one shots that I've seen so far that's actually worth reading that's related to King and Black. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, so you did not have a chance to read sword number three. Correct. So I will gloss over this and just go through the uh, creative team of uh, it's written by Al Ewing. With art by Valerio Schiti and Ray Anthony Height, 
and Bernard Chang and Nico Leon. It's a it's a jam it's a jam book. So uh, you know, uh, followed up with colors by Marte Gracia, letters by VCs Ariana Meyer. It's a story centered on Eden Fessy, aka Manifold, which clarifies how his powers work. Uh, Manifold dis- makes a discovery about Henry Peter Gyrick and to catch us up to the current major crossover, runs into Null. You know, we know that uh, um, uh, Abigail Brand was dealing with the uh, with the King and Black storyline in the previous issue. So um, this brings us, this catches basically everyone up. Uh, this actually uh, puts everyone on the sword team into the King and Black crossover proper. And last but not least, last but not least, is X-Force number 17 for me. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Joshua Kassara, colors by Guru EFX, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is a Quentin Choir slash Kid Omega and Phoebe Cuckoo-centric story, which may reflect the Sapiens plans that have been brewing long before Ten of Swords. So without getting too deep into it, it's really... Uh, a, a fun little story involving the two of them, but also uh, a mystery as to what uh, Sapiens may be up to. Cool. And I guess that's it for you. Yes. Which brings up, up us to me and Power Pack number three. Uh, that was an additional rhyme. There you go. Uh, written by Ryan North, uh, art by Nico Leon, uh, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So we this is the third issue of a, I think it's five-issue miniseries, and now the villain has revealed himself um, to the power pack uh, sooner than expected. Now, granted, yes, I just said it was like five issues or whatever it's going to be. And there's also a outlawed tie-in. Uh, of sorts, which the fact that that's still going on at this point is kind of crazy, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and the, the, well, the, the villain, I guess, without spoiling it, um, uh, is someone that at least a couple of the power pack kids have dealt with a person of, um, some personal note with, let's just say from their future foundation days. And that right there, right. Could, uh, is a kind of a spoiler, although none of that comes up. But the funny part about it is, like I said, that uh, um, Taskmaster shows up in another book this week, and this is that book because uh, apparently uh, he's also in Thunderbolts. Actually, that's what oh, I okay. kind of thought. Yes, yeah, so I read uh, Thunderbolts. Because oh, not it's actually not Thunderbolts; it's the uh, King and Black Thunderbolts. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. I did remember. Do remember seeing the cover of that, but um. As of what I've read, you know, he shows up in uh, Power Pack and mm-hmm. in, in dealing with, uh, you know, Taskmaster, the kids find out that their powers are um, are not what they were before dealing with this this mentor person um, that they've been that they've been dealing with. And hence where the uh, the reveal of the, the villain that is behind things is uh, come about. And we also get it from uh, the perspective of one Julie. Was it not Julie? Is it? Yeah, it is Julie Power, uh, who is pretty much monologuing the or narrating the whole thing. 
um, uh, un until we get to the end of the book where there, where something ends up happening and may, that may or may not be a, um, have dire consequences to one, if not all of the, uh, members of the group. But more than likely it'll probably lead to them changing powers again, like since that happened in the past, but I doubt it. Cause this doesn't seem like that case. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, next up though, is Darth Vader number 10 written by Greg Pat Pock, excuse me. Uh, art by Raphael, uh, Ienko, colors by Niraj Minon and lettering by Joe's, uh, uh VCs, Joe Caramanga. Magna. Excuse me. Um, so it is Vader and this Ochi character trying to go get their way to Exegol, but they run into what almost amounts to an, uh, uh, an Imperial blockade because the, the Emperor pretty much sent uh, three Star Destroyers out to uh, not necessarily delay, but pretty much uh, deter uh, Vader from doing whatever it is he's trying to do. Basically trying to kill him. Uh, so you see that happening all the while Vader is trying to um, deal with this space Cthulhu-esque looking thing that is blocking the way to um, to Exegol and how he, he deals in both of those situations. Uh, it's a pretty good read, but you know, it's it's Vader being Vader. And there's some flashbacks of stuff that we have seen in the past that... that, that um, you know, that has also been plaguing them in this, this volume of the book. Uh, let's see. Last but not least is G.I. Joe Real American Hero Yearbook number one. And the only thing I really have to say about that is just a, a, a reprint of the original uh, G.I. Joe Yearbook from like 1985. And it is written by, um, or script by Larry Hama, pencils by Herb Trimpke. Is it Trimp or Trimp or Trimpy? It's okay. Trimp, I think. Okay. Um, inks by Bob McLeod, letters by Jim Novak, and colors by Glennis Wayne. Wynn. So, if you've it's never... It's also got a new cover. Yes, it does. It doesn't have... What I noticed, uh, because we actually didn't have a copy of this in our review section, mm -hmm. uh, I was surprised to see this on your list, but I guess you went to get it. Mm -hmm. Um I, I looked at the cover. I pulled it up online, and I noticed that they did not reprint the cover that was done by the great Michael Golden, who has who did the first two, I believe, GI Joe uh, yearbooks. Mm -hmm. uh, he did the first two covers, and uh, you know, there's some stupid, you know, they're absolutely classic covers. Mm -hmm. uh, to which, you know, what I forgot. To, I don't know if they, if they have like sometimes in IDW books they'll like put uh, like a bunch of variant covers or whatnot in in a lot of their books or at least mm -hmm. the digital covers. So I don't know if they did that with this, uh, cause I kind of just skimmed through it. Gotcha. Um, I was like, yeah, this, this is what I remember it to be. Um, it's a pretty cool thing, man. I, I definitely loved those yearbooks. I loved reading those yearbooks. Yeah. Same here. Um, but yeah. And like I said, if you, uh, well, one, if you're reading, um, you know, Hama's current run of G.I. Joe, uh, Real American Hero right now, 
and don't necessarily have the affinity for the the classic stuff, which I don't know why you wouldn't if you're doing that. But again, there are new readers, so who who's to say? Uh, you should definitely check that out. It is a it's, it is definitely classic material. It's, it includes a um, a layout of the pit and yes. some um, and some um, you know some character sheets or some character cards uh, like like the yearbook tended to do back in the day. Hmm. So and yeah, I'm like I'm still kind of scrolling through the thing and oh yeah, they do have it. So original cover by uh, Michael Gordon, Golden. So it is it's in the back of the book, but it's definitely there. It's great, great stuff. the The second yearbook is the killer cover. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that one offhand. That's uh, a, a phenomenal cover. Yeah, I think uh, looking up the date of the original date of this one, I think I did see to see it, but um, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I, I didn't remember it right offhand before that. But yeah, you should definitely check this out. It's it's, it's a you know it's a reprint of a classic book, which I was kind of wondering like what's it going to do because this this is not the first time that this has been reprinted by IDW mm-hmm. at that. So um, it's granted it has been probably a good decade at this point or almost. Because I know, I think when uh, IDW got the license, they pretty much reprinted a lot of that old uh, Marvel stuff. I think they pretty much yeah, collected and reprinted all of that old Marvel stuff, including the yearbooks. Yeah, wow, this is 85. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. So, there you go, folks. And that is it for me. Uh, we can now go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! <laughs> Clicks of the week, folks, and we have clicks from our um, from our other co-hosts who are not here. One of I was going to say something, I shouldn't say that. Uh, let's see which one we we'll start off with. We start off with Dirts, uh, which is Sweet Tooth: The Return, number four, and I believe he did say something about that in here. He says uh, still not one hundred percent sure of what's going on, but he thinks that's the point. And he really, really, really wants to know more. And that's always a good sign for him. Uh, and for Tim, Future State, Teen Titans number two, he said he's still not sure who Red X is uh, in this in the, in this context. But it was an action-packed finale that has me looking forward to Teen Titans number, uh, Academy, which I didn't know was just to... Um, two issues of this uh, Future State book, but yeah, and I do, we all do know that Teen Titans Academy is coming, which I also am actually kind of looking forward to, but I just didn't get a chance to uh, read this book, or this issue, rather. Okay. So, uh, you got yours? I am thinking about it still. I'm actually uh, between a couple of books, uh, one of them is Taskmaster. The other one is a, that surprise potential click of the week, which is King and Black, Black Panther number one. Um, I think I'm going to uh, stick with my gut, though, and go with Taskmaster number three, because I, 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 I'm pretty sure I broke into laughs when I read Taskmaster's dialogue in his voice not that i know what his voice is really other than maybe what the marvel versus capcom voice is but i just imagine him being not the brightest guy it's kind of a a street level accent in my mind 
And I hear him saying, oh, no, 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 no. Because, you know, guess what? Natasha Romanov is right there ready to put a bullet between his eyes. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah, so I go as 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 you say that about his voice. I like I said earlier, I tend to go with the Marvel Heroes version of him, which mm-hmm. a lot of times in comics you kind of they kind of have him not necessarily a southern accent, but it's kind of like a you know not and not necessarily urban, but kind of like a uh, um you know a, a street level person. You know, yeah. as you just said, that that kind of uh, that kind of dialogue. You know, you you might hear him say a lot of huns or whatever the case may be, but he doesn't necessarily do that, and you know, so much. But right. you know, that type of uh, um, that type of type of things going on. So I, I get what you're saying, and yeah, I have definitely read the, his his dialogue in the voice that I that was telling you that I do mention it because I love that voice anyway. Because this guy just kind of a gravity voice, but it's also you know announcer type you know sure sure um but for myself um i'm actually debating about um uh going with you on that one because it's definitely the most fun book i've read this week um Weirdly, the, the power pack one was all right, but it's not enough to be like, eh, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know what? Yeah, I'll go with that also. Uh, <laughs> number three. Because probably if I had read Future State Teen Titans, um, or I know it was one of, the, one of the other ones that I had uh, slated to read, or that Radiant Black book, I probably would have chose one of those because I am quite interested in that Radiant Black book. Um, so there you go, folks. Those are the clicks of the week, and we're going to transition over into the news section. But first, an ad read. Exactly. We're going to get our first ad read in for the night. Our first ad read is for Funko. Fun at first sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles, such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise, such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us, that's cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Funko link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10 for your 10% off discount. Funko through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Yes, folks, it is the news, and we start off with the cinematic news as we do every week about this time. Starting with Deadline has confirmed that playwright Stacy Osai uh, Kufour, I hope I'm pronouncing it not, uh, right, and if not, then I apologize, uh, has signed on to pin the Blade reboot from Disney and Marvel. Uh, two-time Oscar-winning actor Mahershala Ali will be stepping into the role of the titular character, the half-vampire, half-mortal hero, which we knew that order, because that was probably one of the first things that came out when 
you know, when uh, that whole thing came about. Uh, no mm-hmm. director has been announced, and Marvel has no comment. So uh, apparently, Miss uh, Osei Kafour becomes the first black woman to pin a Marvel movie uh, following the news of Nia DaCosta uh, directing uh, Captain Marvel, uh, making her the first black woman director uh, in Marvel cinematic history. Um, Osei Kafour's writing credits include HBO's Watchmen, uh, Amazon's Hunters, and the Hulu series uh, Pin 15, which is uh, is uh, something else. <laughs> Uh, which which stands for something else, but for which she earned an Emmy nom for outstanding writer of for a comedy series. So yeah, and I know a lot of people like that uh, HBO's Watchmen. So that's you know that's a good get, I guess. Next up, next up, um, Michael B. Jordan revealed that he is willing to return as Killmonger in Black Panther two if it's needed. Um, he while he can't comment on the upcoming sequel, he would love to return to the MCU. Uh, he states that he can't say too much about that one, honestly, with the year that we've had and the loss of a dear friend, preferring to Chadwick Boseman. They were figuring out whatever they need to do and what was best for the franchise, but they're family. So if he ever had the opportunity to get back into that franchise, he would. So you know, death is never permanent for these characters. That is true, but also Disney's Marvel snipers. That too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Given the events of, like, I'm not. Yeah, again, like you said, uh, you yeah, know, character permanence in in comic books uh, in general are are what they are. Um, where in the MCU has not shown it to be themselves that way. So the fact that he would come back in some way not of a um flashback type right would be interesting to see how they pull that off although given the the uh the end of black panther that's not saying that it couldn't happen right despite what we know what happens to that character uh next up though uh we get into our wandavision block <laughs> yeah I was about to say, we could talk about uh, the incredible stuff that we learned on episode five. Oh, we are definitely going to get into that. We are definitely going to get into that, into the news. So, But let's go ahead and get into this this block. Um, apparently, uh, Newsarama has a theory that Anam Zola could be the real villain pulling the strings here. And that's kind of a stretch. I'm not going to go into it. But let's just say it has something to do with the TV, the amount of TVs that you see. Which is why I say it's a stretch. Not impossible, just kind of a stretch. Next up. I mean, considering that he mm. had been reduced to living in data banks mm-hmm. as of the last appearance, as of his last appearance in Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he literally downloaded his consciousness into just another computer before um before the uh the bombing run decimated the data tapes that he was on mm-hmm. and so that's as, i mean i'm not that not that i'm not that i'm uh, 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 backing up that theory, but it's not the worst theory in the world. Right. Uh, and I guess given that he also has had some dealings with uh, the Cosmic Cube, well, I, well, 
the I guess the mind stone at that point because why no because no 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 because in uh the first Captain America was it where where Zelda showed up wait where did Zelda show up the first uh, you mean his first appearance was yeah in, in Captain America the first Avenger right uh and that was that the was Cosmic the Tesseract Cube. right. Yeah, test right, Cosmic Cube, whatever. But um, right. so he's definitely have some, you know, some knowledge of, uh, you know, where some aspect of uh, Wanda's power is going to come from. I still think that's kind of a stretch, regardless. Um, right. So yeah, we don't know, but right. I think but we can't. This... Put, right, we can't. You know, at this point, we are still roughly halfway through, so so many theories are still in play. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are just like throwing out crazy theories because it, you know, gets clickbait. Yep, and this is, seems to be one of them. But that's also, but theory crafting is is not a bad thing in itself. But some of them are like, really, where did you even like? That's some good creative writing, but you can't possibly think that stands. <laughs> you I think there's never another theory know. that we come across. Yeah, there's another theory that comes up and it's like, okay, that's 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 good but also they even go so far as to say that you know yeah that might not be the case we've recognized that but i'm just we're just saying uh next up though you never know all righty uh one moment next up jimmy woo x-file style spinoff show has already or is already being pitched to marvel so uh, the viral idea for an X-Files style WandaVision spinoff starring Jimmy Woo, uh, a.k.a. Randall Park, is already going to be officially pitched to Marvel. So it began as a viral idea. Um, and um, I want to say I read that. Uh, St- yeah. So Stephen Ford uh, originally tweeted the suggestion of the spinoff. And a few days after making calls and sending emails, Uh, which overlapped with the idea gaining more support, Stephen Ford confirmed that he's actually going to officially pitch his idea to Marvel soon. So that's pretty interesting that, uh, uh, you know, someone with, um, uh, uh, you know, someone within the industries, it it was, was, was thinking out loud and all of a sudden, uh, you know, after a little bit of writing is, uh, is getting a chance to pitch this idea. True, but a person like this would have an easier way to do oh, that as opposed to some other people who have pitched things in the past and not come up with well, anything. And we're not saying nice that this is going to come up with Yeah, I was about either, to say, but... it's definitely worth having, you know, it's definitely nice that uh, someone with uh, a history of, um, you know, a, a history in the industry, you know, especially um, in, in, in writing would have obviously much more of a, an easier time getting in the door with a pitch like that. And a white male. Anyway, um, so you're right. You know it's true. <laughs> but at the same time, he did come up with the idea. Oh uh, yeah, but again, somebody else could have done that. Also. But so, so here and here's why I'm. Bringing... I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He literally put it out there. Exactly. <laughs> you know. But yeah, but I'm saying. But people, I've like I've been on Twitter all the time, and people put out like some really good ideas, but it's just, like it goes right. to crickets. You know. Uh, as opposed to this one did. But so outside of that, 
here's how I feel about it. There were people on Twitter was like, yes, this is a great idea. This should happen. And then, you know, obviously add uh, Darcy and Monica Rambo to this and, and they'll watch it and this and that and the other. And I'm like, yeah, this is all right. I'm kind of half and half on it because I feel like, yes, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a different animal, but, but also I feel like this is kind of the thing that they were doing uh, at the beginning of it. They were kind of sort of doing X-Files-ish type of, within the MCU reasoning, you know, you know, not to the extent of, I guess, what they would probably be having Jimmy do. But mm-hmm. I feel like they were doing that. Even the shorts that came out of where, you know, Coulson and some other person was kind of like investigating. Oh, hey, even the first Thor movie where Coulson was like, hey, we're here to investigate, you know, this, that, and the other. You know, I feel like th- that's kind of been a thing that's done already. And like I said, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was kind of doing that in the beginning before kind of going off on his own. So, I don't know. It's just me. Like, I'd watch it if it happens, but like, I feel like this is a, a idea that's kind of already happened and nobody watched that one. Well, I think we know why people fell off. That's the thing. And I think where, where any sort of tie-in show with that type of setup right which flourish is on Disney Plus because it it's it's in it's in house. Well, that and the fact that when Agency came out people were like why is it not tying the, more closer to the movies than about in fact some people have said the same thing about WandaVision so that's that's a bit of iron on that part. Uh well, you know, I was about to say that's just dumb as opposed to also. um no, as opposed to unfor- to an unfortunate fact of production, mm. you know, well, with regards to the ABC shows. Right. But I'm you just saying, know, but yeah, the, the nature of the ABC show. Right. But I'm agreeing the fact that, yeah, it is very much also dumb. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, they can be both be they can both be true. So, yeah. you know, it's dumb for people to say, oh, it's your tie in closer because people are just impatient. So as we have actually seen with also have actually seen with WandaVision. Um talking about the first three episodes because it's like, yeah, all right, people, y'all need to shush. But we've talked about it before, so we don't have to go back mm-hmm. into that. That being said though, like I said, um, yeah, I like I, said, I would watch it, but I'm like, this is kind of a thing that's kind of already been done before. In the MCU, well, well with Agents of Shield, to mm-hmm. a point. So to a point. I was I was gonna say yeah, I I would say yes and no because I think um they took agents of shield in that direction you know it's you know think think of it like this they they try to they tried to do that in the first couple of seasons because they were trying they were basically waiting for winter soldier well, and then they every, took it in their own direction season, right pretty much every season kind of went off of the movie that was that was tied into that year so, yes, they definitely did, but it was still a fact that they were investigating stuff along the same similar lines. So, um, but then, like I said, I think in four, after season four, well, actually, season four, probably they kind of went off on their own, even though they did some stuff that had nothing to do, that had nothing directly to do with the movies, technically, I guess. I mean, I, I don't remember too much of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point, because that is now, we're, we're going back a decent way now, so. Yeah. Yeah, which I I wanna because I know there's uh I was at the end of season four when I when I dropped off of it and not to due to lack of um lack of uh wanting to watch it is just that I can't remember there was a lot going on at the time especially with the Arrowverse stuff and other things, um and I believe not having access to ABC for for a weird moment, <laughs> um, but 
cable folks, cable companies, you know, weird things happen. Anyway, moving on. Uh, speaking of, uh, wait, did you do the last one? Or did I do no? I did the last one. Speaking of um, that whole, the told yeah, this couple of next couple is going to be about this whole spinoff thing. But um, one division's Jimmy Woo suits up for potential spinoff in mock-up art, and this is one of the two of the mock-up arts that we are going to be talking about. Um, because after the pitch and the, after the Twitter post and the pitch that Ford did, um, uh, Stephen Ford also did a mock-up of uh, Randall Park in a Jimmy Woo-esque. Uh, uh, shirt and gun holster, which he basically superimposed. You know, <laughs> he basically superimposed Randall Park's face, which makes me even want this even less now. Because if you see, like, I'm not saying you know Randall Park is what he is. He's a good actor, and and and, and he's good in the stuff he is. But and he's also do. I've also talked about last week about you know how I felt about his version of Jimmy Woo, um, and some of that he actually does play you know, play into during the course of uh, WandaVision, but it's, I don't know, there's just something weird about it, and seeing him like this and something that Jimmy would actually wear is just kind of like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Regardless, it's out there. If you haven't seen it, it's in our show notes. Next up. Right, so this is the other uh, kind of fan art uh, where... Bought, you know, the art, the digital artist Boss Logic created a Jimmy Woo spinoff series uh, fan poster that has um, uh, that 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 plays into the uh, close-up magic card trick that we saw uh, Jimmy pull off in his um, intro scene in uh, episode four. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, you know, it's a pretty cool uh, callback to that particular scene. So. It's um, you know it's it's another bit of uh, uh, hype I guess or or, or or fan art to uh, maybe get the the ball rolling on that. Sure, and Boss Logic, as we have talked about in the past, and a lot of people know who who that person is from from you know video game mockups and all that other stuff. You know, like sure, there you go. Um, I kind of like this one, but I'd say it was not necessarily showing Randall Park's face or anything. But it, like, yeah, this seems like something that looks like a. If you didn't know it came from him, it would be a good plausible markup for an actual series. Uh, but next up, uh, apparently uh, Randall Park and Kat Dennings heard about uh, the uh, the uh, Stephen Ford pitch, uh, and um, they was like, um, "Yeah, they're in." That uh, works. Yeah. yeah, they're in. <laughs> So let's see about the concept park told comicbook.com. I've heard, I've heard uh, that. And I didn't know that, but I learned that today. And I think that it would be amazing. And I would be down if, you know, Kevin Feige, if he wanted that in a heartbeat, of course I would do it. Uh, we all know who Kevin Feige is, so we don't even have to go on to that. And apparently uh, also Kat Dennings also heard. And she said, uh, I heard the rumblings of people saying that, which I will take with a grain of salt, but I mean, I'll work with Randall Park any day. They do work off each other quite well. I do. Uh, I definitely have enjoyed them, uh, them, them going off of each other. Well, they both have comic. They have good comic sensibilities, mm-hmm. and I think that you know that's obviously the the part where where I know that you kind of differ with uh, how uh, Jimmy Woo should be portrayed. But then I would say that there's still room for that. And it, and it does still, like I said, it does still kind of come across too during during right. 
you know, during the run of it. So I'm not saying that it is not there. It's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, from the top of it, it's just, it's kind of weird. Uh, but that being said, yeah, like, again, like I said, I would watch this and I, I believe I've seen the other one where, you know, they were like, yeah, them two would be arguing with each other and Monica would come in and be like, all right, can we like get past this and, you know, get to the, the brass tack so she'd be like the straight lace person. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, in, in that thing and I would again I would watch it I would absolutely totally watch it <laughs> so but yeah there you go next up alrighty uh, yeah this is kind of uh, a callback to what we get at the end of episode 5 which was definitely shocking yes. and you know spoiler alert obviously it's a week old but for anyone who hasn't watched um, episode five of One Division. Yet you definitely need to skip this part. We've talked about some of the things that we get, but this is essentially the big reveal and uh, the headline here. And I'll, I'll ring the spoiler bell just because you know that's what we do. So yeah, uh, at the end of episode five. There is a reveal where um, apparently WandaVision, according to the silly, uh, 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 oh, I forget the I forget the word. There's this hyperbolic headline uh, where WandaVision cracked the MCU open with a seventy-one point three billion dollar cameo. That seventy-one point three billion dollars uh, price tag refers to the cost of the Fox. Um, movie act with you know the, the the Fox movie studio acquisition uh made by uh Disney. So, uh, essentially, what we get at the end of WandaVision episode five is an appearance allegedly by Pietro Maximoff, but played by none other than Evan Peters, the actor who played Pietro Maximoff in the X Men movies. And that's the big, you know, jaw-dropping reveal that I don't know how you reacted, but I was, um, you know, uh, you know, my 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 tweeted my my Instagrammed reaction was holy mother forking shirt balls. Literally, <laughs> I was wondering where that sound bit was going to come into play, and okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it'll come up you know for fans of the good place you'll know that uh you know that uh you know it's a it's a great way to uh to 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 skirt around the um the fact that yeah we try to keep it family friendly for the most part but i definitely wanted to express how absolutely uh dumbstruck awestruck all the sort of structs that you got under the sun I was when that popped up on my screen, uh, watching that um, over breakfast last uh, last Friday morning. So that was that was pretty impressive to me. How did you feel? So when you when you messaged me uh, uh, right after that, and you were like, "Yeah, you may you may want to definitely stay out of uh, stay off of social media just in case," and this and that and the other. And I recall when I uh, after I watched it, I think like a day later. Um, and, 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 uh, and message you back on that. Definitely. My, my initial, uh, reaction was host oh, now, you know, <laughs> like, damn, they did that. 
Like I wasn't really expecting. Like I, I figured something like that that could possibly happen, and, and there's always been speculation of you know there's been some crossover and stuff. So, um, and obviously you know them setting up, you know them possibly setting up like House of M and that kind of stuff, uh, and you know all the speculations they're in. But I was not absolutely expecting them to do that. Right. Um, but it was like okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> but also, <laughs> it was also funny when uh, Darcy's um, Darcy's oh, yes. reaction to it. She was like, "Wow, she recast Pietro," and I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah that that part right in itself just uh, like I was like still kind of like, okay, yeah, this is that's kind of dope. <laughs> that's really dope." Right. Um, I mean that that's as meta as it gets. You know, mm-hmm. totally taking, totally reading the audience with that one. Right, and actually going back, if you think about it, kind of going back to, like, if you go back to, like, the, the like, granted, if they had done this in that part, in the first episode, that would have been also something else, because, but they wouldn't have done it in that case, because it wouldn't have, would be a similar case. Um, where, in if you've ever watched the old Bewitch shows, there were two Darrens, and I know that was a, from people of a certain vintage, that would be a joke that would come up uh, every now and then, and this could potentially kind of harken back to that also. Right uh, to where you know, like I said, they they recast the uh, the you know they recast the the main dude or something. Well, not necessarily the main dude, but you know, they recasted a dude that has some 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 um some things. Now, obviously, in the in the case would be Vision being recast, but that's you know that's not wouldn't happen like that. I don't think unless something had happened to Paul Bettany, which mm-hmm. not. Regardless, I enjoyed it. The whole episode in itself, which we can actually get into, uh, even though we kind of. <clears throat> Yeah, well, I mean, we're skirting around it, yeah. but we did ring the spoiler bell, so feel free. Yeah, so, and actually, at this point, I don't have any notes on it, and I vaguely remember outside of that part, you know, what happened. So we do see another time, if I remember correctly, we do see another time shift. Uh, we definitely get another theme song, which is more 80s slash kind of 90s uh, sitcom fare. Yeah, late 80s, early 90s, mm-hmm. definitely. Like, it, it harkens to, the opening harken to both Full House and Family Ties. Right, and I was going to get to a little bit of growing pains, a little bit, but yeah. Well, actually, the the episode before was more growing pains than that, but there's a little bit of growing pains in here too. Uh, but definitely, like you said, uh, the the family ties in, in in Full House, which I still have a problem. I love the fact that they're evoking this, the um, the old theme song spirits, but the the me paying attention to the lyrics, which I probably shouldn't do that much, is still kind of off because like. Half of this doesn't even like I I I know what they're doing. I get it. I'm like I'm there, but it's like this is still weirdly off to a point of kind of taking me out of it for the theme songs that they you know the the theme songs that they've been um, doing. But actually, actually, even in the end credit scene, because you can even see uh, here the more like growing pains, family ties, uh, influence in the the ending stuff. Also, that being said, though. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a there's a time jump, and you know we're in like the, you know the late '80s kind of sorta, uh, and we have the scene where the Wanda's trying to deal with the babies. Not to go into too too far about it, because but if you haven't seen it, uh, Wanda's dealing with the babies and visions. You know, they're also they're dealing with the babies, and uh, you know it's kind of that kind of sitcom trope where the, you know babies are crying and they're trying to trying to do anything to. Um, to, to hush him up and then in comes Agnes uh, aka possibly uh, Agatha Harkness who kind of comes in as she does in her lovely bombastic style um, you know and 
attempts to try to do the same th- thing, but there seems to be what would be considered a um, a stop in the action uh, when Vision kind of quote unquote goes off script, and and right. and Agnes is like, uh, should I should I take this again or what? How we want to play this? And and you know, Vision's kind of dumbfounded, and Wanda's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you? What? Huh? What? Huh? Like we still don't know whether she's. Like we kind of get the sense that, like she, at this point, knowing, you know, what's kind of sort of going on with her, she's acting like she doesn't know what's going on, but she kind of has a sense of where she, that she does, right? Uh, so that kind of goes, and then um, the the scene kind of continues on after that. But Vision's still kind of like, what is going on here? Uh, and then we also get another thing, I guess, outside of. What happens at the end? The other bigger thing was that one, uh, the 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 twins age up. Like again, sometimes happen in sitcom fair, but you see them literally age up right before your eyes. Right. Um, by we we have come to find out it was on their own accord um, because of something that happens. But also, we also get some shades of the vision, um, Vinny, uh, Tom King vision, uh, and was it. Is it Gabriel Walter? Uh, that that miniseries. Yeah, Gabriel yeah. Hernandez Walter. Yeah. Yes. Um, that miniseries in the form of Sparky also comes in. Uh, and if you've read that miniseries, you kind of know what happens to Sparky, which course happens here, sadly. Yep. Um, but that leads all leads into some, you know, uh, trademark. Uh, sitcom, a very special episode thing where they have to deal with this with this thing that happens, uh, and Agnes is there and, and Sparky and the kids and and there's the the very special talk that happens and that kind of goes and happens leading up to what happens with, that we've already talked about at the end of the show. I mean, at the end of the episode, which the the appearance of uh, Pietro. I think that's pretty much the short strokes of it. Cause, and all, you know, obviously on the other side of this, you see that, you know, um, I do, do we do, we do still get the shades of, you know, everybody on the outside watching this stuff. Oh wait, no. Did that happen in this issue where Wanda goes outside? I think yes. it does happen. Yes. Oh no, that was another thing end. that happened. Yes. Right. It happens at the end. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. That is, that was a big thing. So basically <laughs> I was about to say, you may want to pull up a, a, a episode recap. So mm. Just to give yourself, because um, that's what that that that's what um, that's what I'm going to do now, just to remind myself, because it has been a week. Yeah, uh, um, but uh, yeah, we've pretty much gone through them for sure. But yeah, if you want to go ahead and do that, but yeah, that thing that happened also um, before, uh, but before the uh, the big reveal, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So Wanda comes outside of the uh, out of the hex, as they call it. Uh, as they're starting to call it as of this episode, I believe, and basically said, y'all leave me alone. Um, she even, because she even takes the drone that they put in. I believe that did happen in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, well, what ends up happening is that they, um, you know, th- there's a couple of, there's a couple of subplots that are developing as a result of what we see in this episode. One is that the, uh, the 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 new interim director of Sword may not have Wanda's best interests at heart. Um, 
definitely uh, definitely goes against what we initially thought would be the approach. What ends up happening is that um, as as they kind of get a debriefing from uh, Monica Rambeau, uh, what they what they opt to do is send in something that is. You know, and the theory that they employ is essentially correct. What they try to do is send in something that is period specific. Mm -hmm. And what they do is send in a 90s era drone to uh, try to make contact. But uh, instead of it being um, uh, unarmed, uh, it ends up being armed and they try to make a move against Wanda and it all goes very badly. Right. Unbeknownst to everybody, well, unbeknownst to uh, Monica Rambeau and right. probably Darcy and Jimmy Woo, but the director and other folks definitely knew about the, the armed. Oh, they definitely knew about it. Yeah. So, so needless to say, Wanda comes outside with the drone in, in hand and like, uh, you drop this, throw it back at him. Like, look, leave me alone. Uh, and in a move that basically says, as folks have been saying on the internet, uh, mess around and find out, <laughs> mm-hmm. Wanda pretty much was like, look, I'm I'm being nice about this, leave me alone, but mess around and find out what happens and, you know, comes to uh, basically turn the tables on the director. Not necessarily turn the tables on the right. director, but lets her know that you know, she, like she seriously wants to be left alone, left alone before right. she went back into the hex and I guess put some more protections up as she goes mm-hmm. back in possibly possibly there's a couple of things that do play into this decision though did you mention the fact that they allegedly have video evidence of how wanda reclaims visions android corpse uh i did not mention but that does also yeah the director right. so that right so that is part of that. the briefing right mm-hmm. exactly that is part of the briefing to that that starts the road down the more aggressive stance uh, taken by sword against uh, uh, against Wanda. It kind of, it, it's meant to inform us of how we've gotten to this point and how, uh, in fact, uh, Wanda reclaims the Vision's body. There is uh, evidence in that very video that uh, it seems like sword was probably experimenting upon the Vision's body, uh, and we're we're left to guess that sword probably did not have. Um, the purest of motives when it was doing that because we know what happens when sword and when and shield and agencies like that get their hands on tech that they uh need to understand they end up they end up uh, weaponizing it so that is i guess part of what's implied here so um as 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 uh, as i mentioned wanda essentially uh liberates the vision's corpse, and that's where this more aggressive stance against Wanda, uh, I you know, has its origins. And as Rydicat is going to mention, there is a confrontation. Well, he's already mentioned it, but there's a big confrontation between right. uh, Hayward. Is it Hayward? Is it? It is. Right between between the head of Sword and Wanda and the. Um, and the strike, and I don't want to call them the strike teams because you know the strike team has a specific reference in Winter Soldier, but basically uh, uh, a group of um, of operators who are um, uh, responding to the breach of the um, the Westview field. Right. So going back a second, uh, going off of what uh, Agent Seventy said. So, well, one, 
there is some comic book history to go along with that because uh, as some folks may know, uh, a similar thing as far as vision being disassembled and being uh, studied, a thing actually happened in the comic books. Uh, so this is definitely a play, uh, a play off of that. Uh, two, part of me when looking at that video um, feels like it was either faked or like it was seems convenient that he just so happens to drop that video in right there. Now, and we also, we see her uh, like infiltrate the place and, you know, get to the body. We don't see her necessarily taking it out. Now that's not, that, that's slightly irrelevant because we know she, she, to- she totally did something. She probably mm-hmm. did something. And there's no reason to believe that the video is not necessarily has some basis in reality, but it seemed kind of convenient that the, uh, that the director just so happens to have that in to, to bring it out now, as opposed to before now, if they already had that. Cause I feel like that's something they kind of, he already had on him, but he waited. So then to, to, uh, to, to release for whatever reason, we don't know. So there's some sort of speculation about his role in there and things. Um, but nevertheless, like I said, there's, there, there is that. Um, and yeah, people have pretty much come out and was like, yeah, we don't like this dude. I'm like, yeah, I kind of already been there <laughs> for, for reasons I did not understand until now. Um, right. But nevertheless, I think that was pretty much the gist of it before we get into the uh, the big reveal. But that whole scene where, where Wanda just kind of comes out and be like, here you go, you drop this. And, and, you know, what ends up happening at the end of that where, you know, where the tables get turned. It was like, oh, now, <laughs> like, yeah, she's definitely right. kind of come into her, her powers. Exactly. And I think you mentioned a little bit of this, but the vision is also um, uh, figuring out what's going on because – when he's at work, he essentially um, uh, snaps Norm, one of his co-workers, out of the trance that he's in. Mm-hmm. But he essentially has to put him back in because he's going to, um, you know, because uh, things will get ugly if he is um, in his uh, right mind for too long. Right. So Vision puts him back under the influence so that uh, they can maintain the charade. But uh, Vision is definitely um, uh, figuring things out um, as we go along as well. You know, the kind, not maybe not at the same, well, I would say at the same speed as the viewer. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and from that, actually, yeah, because he pretty much does the same thing he does to Ultron in Age of Ultron. He just kind of just goes into his, his brain and rewires him sort of, and, you know, but he... Like like you said, he undoes it at the end of talking to Norm mm. to kind of keep the charade up, but also leads to he and Wanda have a having a big um, having the big fight that they have almost basically flex rearing up on each other, um, which seemed kind of weird, but not so weird for them these two these two folks that have, that have power because obviously you know sometimes things get heated in, a, in a, when you're having a, an, an argument with your significant other. No, not to the point where you're throwing blows or anything like that. Like that seemed like they could have possibly done, but mm. you know, you know, timber flares and the, and things get heightened as they did, uh, leading up to the to the the definite big reveal uh, that happened. Which visions like did you, one of pretty much was like I didn't do that, which mm-hmm. we 
we don't know that she didn't do, and she may not know that she didn't, whether she did it or not fully. Let's put it that way. She may have actually did it that, that she didn't even know. And we still don't know, uh, you know, even with the reveal, what is going on behind that. We are a few hours away from the next episode of um, WandaVision as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am very much looking forward to that to see if that actually plays out like we believe it will. Or if if that if if that is indeed Pietro and that is indeed Pietro from the the Foxverse, the former Foxverse X Men right. uh, and obviously there have been theories from that saying that you know, um, she pulled them from the Foxverse. My theory is I think that whole, whole Westview it might have already been in the Foxverse, and he just so happened to be in that world. But but she did definitely pull them to him. Like if anything is, just, is is as possible as anything else in that moment, right. you know what I'm saying? So we don't. No one knows a thing, right? You know, I, you know. I hate to, I hate to, uh, I hate to parrot the line. You know, wait. You know, watch, wait and see, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, they have done a phenomenal job of stringing this along and keeping the suspense up. Yep. And you uh, and and I would say just in very broad strokes. I don't think anybody expected after a year, you know, and, 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 and we, you know, I, I always kind of poo-pooed it because of the pandemic, right? It's just a fact. It's just life happening that we went a year without any real new Disney, uh, uh, Disney Marvel, uh, content. And now we've got not a movie, but, uh, nine, possibly 10 episodes of, uh, of, um, of WandaVision that has become maybe not appointment television in the, in the uh, traditional sense, but let's put it this way. If you don't watch it on Friday, you are staying away from any sort of media, social or otherwise that might spoil it for you until you watch it. Right. And then you'll have a chance to discuss it. It's basically taking over a lot of the discussion from Friday uh, you know, whenever, uh, you know, Friday at 3 a.m., you know, 3 a.m. Eastern, uh, midnight Pacific, when when uh, when it finally drops, it takes over uh, the, the vast majority of social media until uh, the latter part of the weekend. Right. And some are some there are some people who are definitely like because I've seen in a couple of different places uh, on, online where people are like, well, what do I do until the next episode of, of, of WandaVision? Because, you know, you know, uh, there's definitely some people that are treating this like must see TV of <laughs> 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 a certain vision. You know that reference. Um, exactly. But, yeah, now that we are only a few hours away from it, you know, there's a little bit more anticipation with some people that I know about it and including myself. Um, of course uh, it all depends on whether or not i get up early enough to watch it over breakfast right or if it's something that i have to wait until lunch for so we'll see but it's uh it's definitely something i'm looking forward to and uh it's it's created if we were all going into the office and, and and sipping uh water on the water cooler maybe they wouldn't put this out on a friday but because we're home it's interesting that they have the opportunity to, to, to put it out on a Friday and uh, you know, we're all basically jumping online to talk about it all weekend. Yeah. I don't know. You know? Yeah, there's the whole TGIF thing, which granted is not the same situation, but yeah, you're probably right, right about that. 
Right. The only reason why I mention this is I believe uh, they talked about this on Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and where um, they 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 uh, related this to the example of uh, the HBO kind of um, uh, uh, what call it? Uh, what's the term? Um, Oh, what's the TV term? Uh, like highfalutin, you know, it's the um, uh, prestige TV or something like that. No, 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 no. It's um, you know, I uh, not like more serious fare. There's there's a term for it. It's sure. um, um, prestige television. That's it. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, did you say that? Yeah. You probably said it too quickly. I didn't. Uh, I, I was still trying to come up with it. So, um, uh, you know, the prestige uh, TV shows that were the 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 source of uh, HBO's um, uh, run on uh, Emmy nominations back in the day. Sure. Uh, they, they those were um, put out on Sunday evenings because. You know, one, it was the end of the weekend, and two, it gave people a chance to talk about it when they went back into the office on Monday. Right. Yeah, like your Game of Thrones and and, and shorter structure, your insecures. Um, as, of, I was about to say Sopranos. So, yeah, Sopranos, and yeah, but yeah, back in the day, because yeah, I guess Sopranos was out. Well, ended pretty much during the age of social media. Um, I guess that is the case, but you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But those are more re- the, the two I mentioned were more recent examples that people right. would note. So. Right and 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 fall into the Sunday night uh, prestige TV uh, release. So um, it's it's interesting that you know that that, that we we're getting this on a Friday, so we have all weekend to kind of uh, chit chat about it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of wonder about that actually, because yeah, like would it? Hmm, I don't know. That would be something to think about. Like yeah, are they? Would this be something they would treat in that manner if if things were you know quote unquote normal? Or would they still do this and, you know, and pretty much get the same effect? I, I wonder. It's interesting to think about. But, you know, like I said, uh, at the end of the day, it's 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 become the rough equivalent of that. Right. You know, just on a different day so that it has a different uh, side effects and ramifications of, of coming out on a Friday. So, sure. you know, it's one thing for a lot of people to really look forward to, you know, kind of kicking off the weekend with it. Hmm. And I'll probably mention this again in a couple of uh, a couple of articles, which I guess we can kind of move on. Um, but it's actually made me, and I may have mentioned this last week, it kind of made me a little bit more excited to, uh, about um, Rockin' a Witcher Soldier and definitely Loki at this point. I mean, I was already excited. I mean, uh, yes, it's... but I'm just saying, but given what they have been doing with WandaVision, it's like, oh, they kind of, they, they're you know they're kind of uh, throwing it out there. They're just you know they're they're giving us the goods. Well, they're taking big swings. That's right. that's the uh, the term I heard, and I agreed with that. They're definitely taking big swings with it, and they're definitely using some of the uh, I guess theories, but that they use behind setting up the different types of MCU movies, where you know they would make a. a uh, a spy movie that happens to star Captain America, you know, they would make a heist movie that happens to star Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. So that's what I think they're, they're, they're doing. They're, they're, they're definitely putting the story ahead of a lot of things. 
And it's working, you know, despite what some people feel about it or feel about the first three episodes. Because I was like, even like if it had to continue a couple of episodes with, uh, um, which it kind of still is, but going the way they were still going with the first three episodes, I would still been on board with it because I was enjoying it regardless, you know. But there is, and in, in to the, to also to the point that like while these are shows, they they still do have a movie type quality to them. Oh, of course. So. I don't know what, um, like, once at the end of this, what a full cut would be like to watch, you know, uh, all the way through, especially the way it's set up. But it's still, like, some of that is still there. And it would probably still work just the same if it were, like, you know, a cut down movie, obviously, because I think this is a little bit more than two hours um, at the outset of it. So, but yeah. Anyway. I mean, this episode alone was, I think, uh, more than 35 minutes i believe it's like yeah it was like upwards of 40 i believe it was yeah close to 40 right mm-hmm. so we're definitely getting you know movie you know more than more than a movie and a half maybe two movies worth of content here two plus movies uh worth of content here um uh in the series mm-hmm. so it's been great so uh but moving right along unless you got something else you you're of- no, no, no. I was just going through the summary just to make sure that, uh, you know, we didn't miss uh, talking about anything that was uh, on the important side. Sure. So we're good. Yeah. Uh, next up, though, uh, WandaVision shares a totally tubular poster uh, starring Catherine Hans Agnes. So, yeah, this is also uh, basically um, from this episode, I guess, because it was definitely the, the dress she was, the way she was dressed in this episode, uh, uh, um, episode five of WandaVision. So the ass mm-hmm. poster appeared on the Disney Plus series' uh, Twitter page Monday, featuring Han's character decked out in her best 80s style uh, neon colored apparel, big hair and all. One totally tuberous signal, uh, the fall ad proclaims for a distinctly 80s style television. Uh, find your happy vibe with a rad new TV at a dealer with new you, which TVs have been a big thing. Uh, and people have definitely noted it in, in their theories about how the TV TV plays into, um, you know, WandaVision or what they think the TV plays into WandaVision, which sounds plausible. Um, by the way, folks, um, for some people, what not, and I just thought about, I didn't just thought about this, but it, it was recalled to me, that Catherine Hahn, who's excellent in WandaVision, by the way, was also the voice of um, uh, Olivia Octavius in Into the Spider-Verse. And I totally did not put that together. But she was cool in that. So, you know, and then other people was like, yeah, pretty much uh, most of the stuff she's been in, she's been good at. So, you know, including playing this over-the-top, you know, little over-the-top uh, nosy neighbor type character here in one division. So it's cool stuff. Uh, but next up, all right, next up, uh, WandaVision's new supposedly spoilery toy leak was debunked by Diamond because uh, they are the creators of the uh, Diamond Select Toys, that is, are the creators of the Minimates um, uh, toys. So um, a Twitter account shared an image of what looked to be the packaging for new Minimates figures from WandaVision showing art for Scarlet Witch and Mephisto toys and called a leak, but the leak was debunked by uh, Diamond Comics toys or Diamond Select toys, that is. 
the makers of Minimates. They confirmed the purported product is not real. And, um, you know, it was it was just a scam. Right, because I believe we did. Re, we actually, I'm not sure if we did. Now that I think about it, I want to say if we reported on this last week, we we may or may, may or may not have mentioned it last week. But I kind of figured even then, like, yeah, somewhat right about this. If we didn't, so the fact that they came out and debunked it, then yeah, there you go. That kind of mm-hmm. that kind of uh, set that set that right there. So cool. Uh, next up, though. Uh, from the land of Spidey and going, well, I guess starting to leave away from uh, WandaVision, Spider-Man Far From Home had a, potentially, had a hidden WandaVision Easter egg you probably didn't know. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, uh, the show strokes is, is like, hey, Nick Fury on the ship, and you see, uh, if you're watching the video, you can check this out. Uh, you see Nick Fury passing a panel as he's going through the ship. Uh, potentially, that, that that is the peak. We may that may or may not be the peak. We haven't necessarily established that, but we have a relatively decent idea that that's probably the case. But anyway, he passes a panel and it has a hexagon on it, and as folks know, hexagons have been playing into a lot of people's theories and or you know or just even in general in Wandavision uh, at large. So, um, you know, so obviously this is a theory that is. Um, built around that but it's also noted in this theory that yeah in the guardians of the galaxy 2 the the um the the space warp uh stuff that they the the, basically the 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 act of warping also uses uh hex hex shapes also so they definitely do note that in here so that could also be that and has nothing to do with wandavision but you know this doesn't stop people from speculating There you go. Next up. Next up, ahead of its debut next month, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier get new Twitter emojis showing off their updated costumes. Once upon a time, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier were set to be the first MCU series to premiere on Disney+. Plus. It was originally planned for August of 2020, but production delays caused by uh, COVID-19 forced Marvel to push it back. Now the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will premiere on March 19th, two weeks after WandaVision wraps up its run. It will be the second project from Phase 4 to drop. Yeah, there you go. And there was uh, some speculation before, well, when Wanda, WandaVision dropped that, yeah, the reason why we got a couple of episodes was to get a, kind of get out of the way. I think we've talked about this before, kind of get out of the way of, of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which seemed kind of plausible at this point, but who knows. Um, but that being said, speaking of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, and going on to some other things, so the Super Bowl happened in, here in the U.S., uh, this past weekend, I didn't watch it, and I actually didn't even watch all the, the commercials that I normally would, or didn't get to watch the Puppy Bowl or the Kitten Bowl, but that's neither here nor there. We got trailers for Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, a couple other things, but also Fast and Furious 9. Mm-hmm. Screw Tom Brady. Basically. Um, y'all idiots call him the goat. The fuck is wrong? Anyway, it is... Um, <laughs> He's not even a goat in football. What are you even talking? Jeez. Anyway, um, and I don't even follow football uh, sports like that, and I know that. Anyway, so yeah, so the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, trailer 
kind of came out during the thing. Uh, there was also a Ray and the Last Dragon. Uh, the, did you watch e- any of these? Um, any of these? Yeah, colors? I watched. Uh, I watched the Falcon and Winter Soldier and the the F nine, the Fast and Furious nine. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, the Falcon and the the one that's uh, pertinent to uh, this crowd. Outside of Fast and Furious, obviously, uh, is the, the Falcon and Winter Soldier one, which um, I liked how they're leaning into the buddy cop thing. Uh, they seem to be leaning into the buddy cop thing with uh, with Sam and Bucky, and I'm I'm kind of looking forward to it. You know, I mean, they've also been doing that in the comics as of recent late with the you know with the recent uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, miniseries. So that's. You know, and obviously this is something from you know that they had already established in uh, Civil War and whatnot. Um, so I'm not saying that that is a new thing, but they seem to be leaning into it a little more, a little heavier than they had for this. So I'm very curious to see how this uh, goes when it drops next month. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, the F9 trailer was. <laughs> As bonkers as you you would think it would be, it's not necessarily bonkers, but it's like yeah, of course, there's, there's still going to be some more of this other stuff. You see, it one car just get pulled into like Magneto style into like <laughs> through a truck and, and a couple other different and a and a couple other things. It's like yeah, they're still doing this. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to um, Fast Nine. So all I have to say is justice for Han. Uh, next up. Uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier trailer revealed uh, ER and Bosch or Bosch star Amy Bosch, Aquino. Yeah. What would what, you say? I think it's Bosch. Yeah. Almost. Uh, Bosch. But anyway, yeah. It, uh, it revealed Amy Aquino in a Marvel role. Veteran actress Amy Aquino joins the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier in the upcoming original series from Marvel Studios. Uh, she plays a mediator for squabbling superhero Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I remember her as Dr. Coburn on ER, and she's mm-hmm. gone, and she's done many, many things since. Yeah, yeah. I, I also recognize her. I was like, oh, shoot, they got her. Because she's almost one of those actors who's like, you know, you, you may or may not know her in the name, but you when you see her in stuff, she's notable. Right. Exactly. So, um, so I was like, okay, that was cool. Like, I knew I remember seeing her from somewhere. But yeah, that whole that in that whole scene with her and them, uh, and it was I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that because that was kind of funny. Um, that being the case, let's move on to Disney Channel announces Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur cast, which um, I'm, I don't know if this came out in that uh, call. I think this was in that Investor Day call, or it might have been before that. I don't remember. But regardless. Uh, there's a Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur cartoon that is on the way, and we now have uh, some casting for it. Actress and singer Diamond White will star as Lunella, uh, Lunella Lafayette, who's Moon Girl, in the channel's highly anticipated uh, animated series slated to premiere in 2022. Uh, and that's not all. We have one Alfrey Woodard uh, playing Lunella's uh, grandmother Mimi, uh, Libby Barra as Lun- Lunella's best friend and manager, Casey. Manager? Okay. Uh, Sashir Zamata from, I believe, uh, Saturday Night Live as Lunella's mom, Adria. Uh, Jermaine Fowler as her dad, James Jr. Fred Tatascoria, who we know from, you know, playing all various versions, well, various versions of Hulk in the last couple of Avengers series and, and elsewhere. 
as the one and only Devil Dinosaur and uh, Gary Anthony Williams, who we, at least some people would know from the Boondocks, uh, as Lunella's grandfather pops. So there you go. Uh, apparently, Lawrence Fishburne also has uh, something to do with. Uh, he's executive producer of this here show and will voice right. the Beyonder. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I don't know how my my interest um my interest level yeah. in this was before uh, this casting. Which yeah, I was definitely wanting to check this out, but I'm like yeah, okay, cool, mm-hmm. it's another animated thing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think the one thing we knew about uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur was the fact that Lawrence Fishburne was right. um, executive producing or producing the show. Uh, I think that was the one bit of information we had uh, from the investor call. Indeed. This is definitely filling in some of the blanks. All right. Um, next up in uh, kind of silly news, you know, fans quote unquote demand for uh, season three of the spectacular Spider-Man cartoon, which was really good from that ended back in 2008. But, um, you know, or, or started in 2008. So, you know, more than a decade since its debut, fans of the spectacular Spider-Man took to Twitter asking for one more season of the beloved Spidey-centered animated series. Say, uh, hashtag Save Spectacular Spider-Man began trending on Twitter on February 6th, uh, showing an outpouring of fans who'd love to see another installment. Um Back in uh, December of last year, 2020, co-creator Greg Weissman shot down the odds of a third season, but that hasn't stopped fans from asking for more Spider-Man tales. It essentially stopped being produced when the television rights to Spider-Man were bought by uh, were bought by Disney, while the movie rights to Spider-Man remained with Sony. Um, back then, that's essentially uh, that essentially was the the primary uh, cause of the ending of the spectacular Spider-Man show. Indeed, indeed, yeah, and we had talked about it back then, even when the you know the reason is as to why, and it was all mired in like you know in in licenses and, and other stuff, or not necessarily just licensing but it was a whole big thing as to why season three was happening like you just said like yeah it's it's, it's kind of silly that this came back up but also i think we said then that i wouldn't be surprised if people would still do it would, would still be trying trying to trying to um you know try to do this specific thing um uh, you know to, to try to get it out back that there so it was definitely something that goes in um you know Wiseman's and crew's favor that like maybe hey maybe this is uh this is something that could be hashed out or you know work something out knowing that the fans want it you know mm-hmm. i mean that's kind of how young justice uh kind of came back and you know Wiseman is also a part of that and was also coming out around that part thinking saying i mean the granted different situation because you know the 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 things behind the scene on that were a little bit more cut and dry um but it happened so any thing can happen and I want to give a shout out real quick um, to, 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 to just, just real quick you know, for, to the folks that have happened to pop in the, the, the Twitch chat. Uh, if y'all got questions, you, you know, let us know if you do. But, you know, I appreciate any, anybody for dropping in or and on the YouTube and everybody else watching uh, live. So we appreciate y'all being here. All right. You can always tweet at us as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Which we'll get into all of that later. 
so next up, uh, Tom Holland calls the next Spider-Man movie the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. You know, we love Tom Holland. Um, actor Tom Holland says that the currently untitled third Spider-Man MCU film is, like I said, the, you know, I don't have to repeat that in an interview with Variety. Uh, he says, and a quote, uh, I can say that it's the most ambitious standalone superhero movie ever made. Tomlin said, uh, you sit down, you read the script, and you see what they're trying to do, and they're succeeding. It's really impressive. Uh, I've never seen a standalone superhero movie quite like it, and I'm just, you know, that lucky little shit that ha- who happens to be Spider-Man in it. Uh, we got a lot more shooting to do. Uh, we've started before Christmas and shot like for seven weeks. We stopped before the Christmas break, and then we're restarting again. So I'm excited as everyone else to see it, let alone be a part of it. And as far as we know, he didn't spoil in anything, and he as he is wont to do. <laughs> I think the, the Marvel snipers probably probably said got to him, um, but or they're just not telling him the entire story. I think that's probably more of the case. Yes. <laughs> You know, they're using the same tactics that they used on Endgame, where they're giving out bits and pieces of the script at a time. And that's totally still believe. And I think we talked about this before, that they, they knew what they were doing when they were giving him the stuff, him and Ruffalo, some of the stuff. And it just happened right. to leak anyway. So I'm actually looking forward to it. And I'm hoping it's going to address the ending of uh, Spider-Man 2, which, you know, I have no reason to that's believe. part of our... Right, I was about to say, that's part of our next story. Yep. So, in our next story, um, Sony has revealed some of the fallout of Spidey's identity reveal that happened at the end of Far From Home. Um, In uh, the unfortunately named Illuminerdy, captured images of the story on uh, the uh, uh, official at spidey number one fan account which was created for spider-man far from home this is um i guess this is the instagram account i believe it could be it could very well be the twitter account at this point um hard to say Uh, i'm not going to check it right now but um it's the story that teased a number of potential plot elements for the third film in the MCU Spidey trilogy. The account shared two polls and a picture from the Daily Bugle website that was teased in the post-credits scene of Far From Home. The account, which is meant to be Flash, Thompson, Flash Thompson's social media feed, posted a poll about whether Spider-Man or Night Monkey is the better hero, and one asking whether Betty or Ned is better. The first described Spider-Man as a menace, providing that once Spidey was outed as Peter Flash turned against his former hero and began using Jameson's description of the wall crawler. Interestingly, the Ned poll features the character in an orange hobgoblin style hat, uh, which is a nod to Ned Leeds's uh, comic book history as the villain and possibly teasing a dark turn for the man in the chair. Indeed. Um, so yeah. And if you're watching the, the uh, video version of this, you will see um, said posts in the video. I didn't even know that account was even a thing and probably would not have had I known, unless I know it was a, uh, an official one, I probably wouldn't have um, <laughs> gone to it one way or the other. Right. Allegedly, I was about to say, um, there's more to this. Um, apparently, one of the Daily Bugle um, 
uh, images uh, says that um, an update reads, since then, quote, uh, chaos has erupted all over New York. Somehow people still support Spider-Man, not us. We are all Team Mysterio, baby. Now police has to take control of the situation. Way to go, Spider-Man. Interesting. I mean, that sounds like Flash, Flash Thompson thing to do. Well, a MCU Flash Thompson thing to do, so I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. um, if that is the case. Next up, though, uh, we have a report uh, that says that um, Keanu Reeves has been offered the role of Kraven the Hunter in the, uh, in the next Spider movie, Spider Man movie. Or maybe not the next one. We don't know if actually, actually right. this, is, this is the next movie. We don't. He has been offered the role for a Spider-Man movie. Right. I don't um, like that. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I love Keanu, but not as Craven the Hunter. Yeah, I, I kind of... It would definitely be a more understated Craven. I I don't know. He could probably put it off, but I'm kind of with you. Pull it off, but I'm kind of kind of sort of with you. This is also coming from that Illuminati thing, which, uh, again, take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> Um, so, which is, I like bringing this stuff up as, you know, as little fun tidbits, but, you know, it's like not really putting a whole lot of stock in a lot of it. So when we put, when we usually go through the, um, pull stuff that the, the, um, comic sites happen to cite, which granted they have their reasons for doing that, you know, it's fun, but sometimes you don't want to really put a whole lot of stock in a lot of stuff. And we know he's been approached for a Marvel movie. Like some people are saying Moon Knight. I don't even know how I feel about that one, but uh, but we also know there's a Moon Knight show coming up, so that's probably not going to happen. And I believe we also know who's attached to that. So again, still not a right. It's not going to be cast as Moon Knight because we already know who's going to play Mark Spector. But exactly. there is a role out there for Keanu Reeves in the MCU, but it's not Craven, <laughs> not in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I I'm not that. sure why Roddy Cap finds that so funny. I guess it's you know it's funny, but I just don't think it's uh, uh, I don't think it's the fit. I don't think it's the right fit. Because well, I, I find it funny because one, it is because like I'm kind of in agreement with you on that, but I'm also. You know, it's like, it's kind of funny that you, that I, I honestly didn't think that you would feel that way about this news. So. <laughs> no, I, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't. I mean, not, a, not every role's for everybody. And I know everybody, you know, a lot of, everybody loves Keanu. And I, we do around these parts also. But yeah, there, there's, you know, sometimes, you know, yeah, no, sometimes it's not the right fit. Like, I'm still on the fence about it. I feel like he would have a look that would work for it. But the way he would probably portray it would not. Let's put it that way. I don't know. Who knows? And again, it's a report, so we don't even know if it's going to be an actual thing or not. And so, all right. Or whether Next people up, wants it. Right. Next up, uh, Ewan McGregor has revealed where and when production for this upcoming Disney plus Obi-Wan Kenobi series is going to take place. He, say, he states that uh, they start making it in the late spring, and he thinks they're going to be shooting it in uh, Los Angeles, McGregor told Eddie Izzard. Noting the amount of media speculation surrounding where the show will be filmed, McGregor elaborated that uh, his dad keeps sending him links saying, I thought you were going to be shooting in L.A. because there's another tabloid 
expose that they're shooting in some bizarre town somewhere and that we're meant to be making it in Boston and then we're meant to be making uh, in Boston or England and they're not. They're shooting it in L.A. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, there's that, which I wasn't sure up until these last couple of rounds that this this one was actually going to be a thing that happened because obviously this was the one that kind of languished the longest, the longest after being uh, potentially announced. So we'll see. Uh, speaking of some more Star Wars news, the Mandalorian actress Gina Carano has been fired by Lucasfilm. Yay. <laughs> so silly. Finally. <laughs> what an idiot. Get they told story. her not to do it. Right. And she still did it. Right. <sighs> and, also, so uh, and obviously there have been you know, a lot of chatter online, you know, for and or against, including possibly one tidbit from someone we know that is, is, is problematic, but, um, that is, is one thing or the other, but you know, what? it's gotta go, you know, like, like, uh, agent 70 said, she's been given the chance to just shut up and, and take this bag. And she chose, she chose violence as the kids would say. Mm. So good on her. And at the same time, um, speaking of, at the same time that this happened, oh wait, I don't have that in there. I don't think. Oh shoot, I thought I did. Hold on for a second. Mm-mm. I thought I put that in there. I was gonna say you can add it for you can add it at the end. I know what you're talking about. Uh, uh, moving on. Yeah. Um, the CW has officially renewed 12 shows for the 2021-22 uh, television season, including The Flash, Batwoman, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. In addition to The Flash returning for Season 8, Batwoman is coming back for Season 3, Legends of Tomorrow uh, for Season 7. The network also ordered additional episodes of its breakout hit, Walker, which recently scored the CW's most-watched series premiere in five years, taking the current season's episode count up to five, up by five together with the second season order. Meanwhile, Superman and Lois, which is set to launch with a two-hour premiere event on February 23rd, received two additional episodes a season, bringing its total episode count up to 15. Um, okay. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to bring it up right now. It's not necessarily comic book related anyway. Um, but Pedro Pascal... Uh, is set to star as Joel in The Last of Us uh, HBO series, which The Last of Us is a uh, video game series that uh, the, a lot of folks like. Um, so, speaking of Mandalorian stars, uh, you know, doing things. So, there you go. I think also uh, Ellie has been cast in Game of Thrones' Bella Ramsey. So, there you go. If you know about The Last of Us, I won't really go into it here. Then you know what the deal is going to be on that. So... Good for Pedro Pascal still trying to get that bag. Uh, or still get actually getting that bag and being a very decent human being at that, unlike some folk. Mm. Uh, but, I'll, yeah. I'll take the next story. I'll, I'll sure, take the next story since you uh, um, uh, dropped that little uh, tidbit on us. Director Zack Snyder has announced the trailer for his upcoming cut of Justice League is going to arrive uh this weekend at 9:14 a.m. on February 14th um Pacific Standard Time uh the filmmaker confirmed the news via Twitter uh alongside a brief glimpse of Victor Stone's life as a football player prior to becoming Cyborg I love that this article says footballer I'm like that means something different across the pond it so does. let's not call him a footballer right 
So that is a really specific time to drop a trailer. Um, the only thing that I actually even care about in this whole situation is that I don't care. Just get that thing out of here already. Good God. Mm. I'm tired of hearing about it. Just let it be done already. Um, but that's the only interesting note about the, the, um, about this, this news here, whether that means something, who knows spent too long about too much spent too long talking about it already. Next up. Sonic the Hedgehog movie sequel reveals fitting title ahead of April 2022 premiere. So, yeah, that Sonic the Hedgehog movie um, is getting a sequel. And in Sonic the Hedgehog video game 2 style, we have a little teaser for it that um, teases one Miles Tails Prower. In which way? Was he in the first one already? I don't remember. I never watched that stupid thing. I have no idea. So I don't know if he was actually in the first one or not. I, I'm going to assume that he probably was. Uh, but nevertheless, even if he wasn't, you know, you um, there's a uh, a Twitter link here and the video uh, that uh, has a little teaser for it, which evokes Sonic the Hedgehog two, which was a good game, by the way. And yes, folks, Sonic the Hedgehog has had many comic book uh, renditions, including current ones. That's why we talk about this mess here. Or that's why I choose to, anyway. Nevertheless, there's no t- subtitle, and we already mentioned when it was coming. Next up. Next up, Brian Michael Bendis and David Max cover is getting an animated series ad- adaptation at HBO Max. The series will be written by Bendis and directed by uh, David Mack, with Rooster Teeth Studios producing. Published by DC under Jinx World, cover ran for six issues from 2018 through 19. The series centers on a comic book creator named Max Field, who encounters a fan who claims to be interested in purchasing some original artwork. In reality, though, she's a CIA agent who wants to use Max as a cover for a dangerous mission. Sure. Okay. Next up. Um, HBO Max orders adult-targeted Velma spinoff starring Mindy Kaling. Yes, folks. Velma, as in Dinkley, as in Scooby-Doo. I love me some Velma. Uh, you say what you want about Mindy Kaling at this point and, you know, and X, Y's and Z's. I'm really interested in this, but at the same time, like, what in the world would you do about it? Now, granted, this thing goes on to say what, partially what this is. So, uh, described as an adult-focused comedy, Velma will offer an origin story for the character with Mindy Kaling uh, starring in and executive producing the series. Um, then there's a, a line from uh, HBO Max exam. Uh, exec and a little blurb about um, uh, what it's going to be about, which I won't necessarily go into. But there is the series has no premiere date, but we do know it's coming. And I believe there was a, a slate of stuff that HBO Max came out and um, announced, including that last uh, uh, Bendis and David Mack thing, and a couple, a few other things that this falls into. So. Uh, and I think most of that may or may not have uh, come under the purview of comic book territory. But nevertheless, there you go. Velma's getting her own show. We love some Velma. Some of us love some Velma. If you don't love Velma, I don't know what to say about you. Next. All right. Um, next up, um, according to a press release, uh, Fox Entertainment has joined forces with uh, Hasbro 
to uh, its studio, Entertainment One and Bento Box Entertainment, to develop an animated television show based on Hasbro's murder mystery game Clue. You know, Colonel Mustard in the conservatory with the lead pipe, uh, said Fox Entertainment President Michael Thorne in the release. Uh, By just hearing these colorful phrases alone, you immediately know what they mean, leaving no mystery as to why Clue is one of the most beloved board games turned IP of all time. They are excited to develop it as an animated series along with E1 and Bento Box. Okay. Look, I love the ever-loving heck out of the Clue movie from from 85. I, I don't care what anybody say. I legitimately love that movie. Um... The comic book, the couple of comic book miniseries that they've had are, have also been all right. I don't know about this. <laughs> it's a thing, I guess, and it, 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 it lends itself to to an animated thing, sure. But I'm like, really? Did it really need to be a clue? Like, next thing you know, they'll bring back Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, they, they, um, and they actually, they probably would do that. I mean, that that one's actually more ripe for doing things with. Uh, and I believe that I've seen something about a risk movie coming out or they're trying to, they're trying to do like the year getting out of pocket with some of this stuff. That being said, watch the, the 85 clue movie. Cause that thing is great. I don't care what anybody says. This is one of the few times I will be hyperbolic about a, a movie like that. Um, but I love it to death. Next up. Uh, I believe we are going into the comic book news. Meanwhile, at the hall of justice, uh, we'll try to try to, to blow through some of this because I was getting a little late. But uh, best 2020 graphics novels for adults list. Uh, we have a list here. It, it includes uh, Hoxpox, um, which is looks like this is the only actual comic book. Well, I mean, most of these are all of these. Most of them, not all of these are, are graphic novels, so they are comic book related. Definitely. Oh, something is coming to children volume one. Uh, Be Gay Do Comics by The Nib, uh, Be Big Black Stand at Attica by Frank Big Black Smith, uh, let's see, Come Home by Indio, the aforementioned Hoxbox, Invisible Kin- Kingdom by G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward, which I've never read. I've, I've seen some people say some good things about it, but you know, uh, Kent State Four Dead in Ohio, Making Comics by Linda Barry, uh, etc., etc., etc. But you can check out that list in the show notes, uh, for yourself or you can if you're watching the video you know and happen to stop it right here you can see the whole list right there pow next up dark horse comics will release the complete american gods a hardcover collection of the comic adaptations of neil gaiman's american gods novel on september 14th the company announced the 720 page volume will collect 27 issues of the comics which were previously collected in three smaller graphic novels volume three was just released last summer the hardcover collection will come with a slip case featuring new illustrations by david mack and a bookmark ribbon with a gold pattern uh manufacturer suggested retail price will be 124 dollars and 99 cents uh cool i never read american gods i don't know if i should or not um i read the novel not the comics right did you watch the show did not did not yeah because uh, that's actually kind of what made me interested in reading the 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 source material, but I don't know. There's not a whole lot of new game and stuff that I've actually ever read. So, 
1602 aside, but nevertheless. Uh, Raven, maybe DC's ultimate future villain, and Teen Titans Go predicted it. So this is the potential, well, it looks like it's a spoiler from Future State Suicide Squad, which I'm fairly certain I've never read. Uh, the DC universe of Future State has featured some surprising turns from many former heroes, with figures like Shazam, Red Hood, and others seeming to become villains uh, after their present day adventures end. However... There's a chance that the ultimate threat of a distant future might actually be a modern day hero. Um, and blase, 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 uh, Raven is the one that may or may not have something to do with it. And apparently, Teen Titans go the oft, um, you know, put upon uh, animated series may have uh, may have mentioned that. But then again, I feel like this is something out of the comics because we know, you know, Raven is the, is the daughter of Trigon and she has, has the potential to go evil in by proxy of that. And I think that has even been played up on a, in a couple of events or something, you know, or at the very least toyed with in, in comics at some point. So I, I can't really just leave this to Teen Titans go. Like, I don't know why these articles, some of these articles tend to go to like, Hey, here's the, uh, the, the, um, the live action, the Arrowverse or the animated show that did something that comics have probably already did predict this thing. It's weird. It's very weird to be in this right now. But hey, here we go. Next up. Next up. Um, former Robin Jason Todd hunts Batman and friends in a new Red Hood ongoing series. So, um, it's debuting this summer called Future State, and, and the series is called Future State Gotham. It would be the first ongoing series spinning out of the two-month Future State event. Um, it's set in the alt-reality future of the, cur- of the current uh, Future State event, um, happening in a time where Gotham is ruled by a tyrannical force known as the Magistrate, and their forces police Batman City like the Dark Knight never would. Uh, vigilantes are illegal, and uh, you know that's the general gist of the Future State uh, Batman-centric books. Um, let's see here. Uh, future State Gotham number one goes on sale on May 11th. Right, and Red Hood is pretty much in during the course of Future State already is in the backup of one of the books doing already doing that, um, or doing this. So go figure. Uh, next up, DC announces Infinite Frontiers Zero's complete All Star lineup. Uh, so we get the full roster of creators attached to Infinite Frontier Zero, which is the event that is coming after Future State. Pardon uh, for their relaunch in for DC's relaunch in March, uh, and we have the likes of Joshua Williamson with James Tinney and the Fourth and Scott Snyder. Um, just uh, let's see, favorite series. Yeah, let's see. Justice League is being written by Brendis, Brian Michael Bendis, Dave Marquez, and Tamara Bonvillain. Batman's uh, still being headed up by I believe it's the current creative team, correct? Of Batman, James Tinian and. Um, Jorge Jimenez. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, and some of the other stuff has been announced already, like the Wonder Girl by Joel Jones and Green Lantern by uh, Green Lantern and Scott by James Tinian and Stephen Byrne, Wonder Woman by Becky Cloonan and Michael Conrad and, and other, and other folks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I don't necessarily need to go through the whole list, but, 
Yeah. People that have been involved with some of the some of the characters um have are still created are still with this. So cool. I am definitely looking forward to like Tim said in our back channel, looking forward to the Team Titans Academy. There's a couple of I'm actually looking forward to coming out of uh, Future State. Like the the Wonder Girl and the Teen Titans, but I'm not sure about the the Justice League. And uh, if you you don't have to have been here with the show too long to understand why. Next up. Next up, uh, Scott Snyder teases his DC Comics return. Uh, he is uh, focusing on creator-owned titles for most of 2021. The writer hinted at a big return coming by the end of the year. Um, this March, he's putting out a creator-owned book uh, titled Terra, which is uh, going to go on sale March 3rd from Image Comics. It's illustrated by Tony Daniel. Um but he also teased that um, – oh, no, he actually hinted that he was developing a pitch for a potential Nightwing, Nightwing run last year. Um, whether Snyder will go back to writing the adventures of Dick Grayson or explore a different corner of the DC universe has yet to be seen. And I'm sure, you know, that's, there are fans that will um, be all over that. Uh, Mr. Miracle returns in a new DC series and with a new origin story. So this is not the Scott Free version. This looks like it's the uh, the Shiloh Norman version, which we've seen relatively recently. Um, the new guy's resident escape artist, Mr. Miracle returns this May with a new six series miniseries. Mr. Miracle, the source of freedom, uh, which sounds like that stupid Rambo show from the uh, from from <laughs> from the eighties. The animated one uh, will be written by Brandon Easton and artist uh, Fico Osio. I'm not sure how the how the name's pronounced, but we'll go with that. It is picking up the threads from Easton's current Mister Miracle in the Future State's uh, Superman Worlds of War anthology, which is the one I was just talking about. Uh, but coming back from Future State with a new origin story for the Jack Kirby creation. Uh, the series functioned as a de facto origin story and a reintroduction of Shiloh Norman, Easton says in an announcement. Uh, Fico and I have a f- fantastic opportunity to establish him as a major hero in the DC Pantheon while making him a more complex character. So, there you go. Um, next up. Amethyst, Princess of Gemworld, returns with a new DC original graphic novel. DC has released the has revealed the release date, cover, and more for the upcoming book. Um, hit prose authors Shannon and Dean Hale return to DC Comics for this original graphic novel, spotlighting the 80s magical princess with a new feature-length story drawn by uh, Isaiah Fulmore. Uh, Amethyst Princess of Princess of Gem World goes on sale on November 9th. Uh, let's see if there's a price point here. No, it just says uh, November 9th. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to uh, what was already just mentioned, I'm not sure why I put this here, but Batman alum Scott Snyder and Tony Daniels create, Daniel create a trucker-centric sci-fi drama in Noctura. Uh, again, Agent 70, I kind of already mentioned uh, the gist of it, so we don't necessarily have to go into it uh, then. But the premise seems kind of interesting, I guess. 
Next up. All right. Next up, young Hellboy title takes the Mike Mignola character back to a wide-eyed childhood in the Hidden Land. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, Mignola is co-writing young Hellboy, the Hidden Land, with Tom Snigoski and enlisting Craig Russo on interior art and Matthew Smith on covers. It's coming out on February 17th. Um, it's a four issue series set not only in an unexplored place, but in a barely explored period in Hellboy's history, his childhood. Okay. Yeah. And there's uh, the rest of it. The rest of the article goes into, um, uh, an interview with, uh, Mignola. So, or Craig Russo looks like actually. So cool. Next up. Uh, but say Snigoski's on that too. So yeah, it's like a group interview. Right. Uh, finally, the Batman Forever toys someone somewhere probably dreamed of, according to this article. So, yeah, apparently their Hot Toys is doing, I uh, was releasing, well, they have released official pics of his one six uh, scale action figures of Batman and Robin from 1995's Batman Forever. And as usual, they're preternaturally good, according to this article, right down to the nipples, not the bat nipples, uh, apparently. Robin's nipples are, are on there. Um, it looks like they made the choice not to do bat nipple version of the suit. <laughs> eh, sure, there you go. It's out there for you. Um, it doesn't say a price point for these, but there's a slideshow of uh the of the images if you are so inclined in the show notes of this uh show. Next up. Next up, the Mandalorian and the child get a new legacy statue from Iron Studios. Uh, the statue is 22 and a half inches tall. The quarter scale statue shows off the bounty hunter in his shiny Beskar armor, and the child is following behind in his pram. Uh, both characters are placed on top of a desert Navarro base with a stormtrooper helmet among the rock. Um, the, the statue from iron studios will be priced at $749 and 99 cents. The statue will be released in specific regions only, and they have not been revealed just yet. The statue sets a release between July and September of 2021, so pre-order should be going live soon, and collectors will be able to uh, and collectors will be able to find it. Uh, where is this link? At ironstudios.com. Mm-hmm. It's a so if you're watching the video, you can see the 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 pictures that they have uh, of it, and it's a very good looking statue. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Actually, there are more pictures down here also. So it's very detailed. Cool looking. It's a lot of money. Next up, uh, Hasbro reveals new retro Marvels figures. Uh, let's see. Hasbro has recently announced four new retro figures for their Marvel Legends series. Each of these figures is 3.75 inches uh, scale figure of an iconic character. And they'll be available spring 2021 for 10 bucks. Uh, fans will be able to add the Hulk, uh, Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, uh, Magneto, and the Human Torch. Each figure will be available in the U.S. at Target in March, and then expand to most major retailers in April. So, yeah, there you go. They've been they've been kind of going full steam on this retro line. 
And if you're watching the videos, you can see um, you, know, you can see me kind of scroll through them. You're interested in any of these? Uh, I'm not into that scale. Yeah. You know, I prefer to stick to the six inch Marvel Legends. You know, I'm not you know the 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 old the old school kind of um, you know. Four, five points of articulation, like the you know swivel neck and the shoulders and the and the hips, and that being it, not into that. Hmm. Is there a, um, a Marvel Legends Miss Marvel that's not Kamala? You mean in this style? It's right. older, yeah. Okay, it's older. It came out as a as part of a three pack. It's really not uh, that common. It's actually one of the harder figures to find. Right. You know, with the uh, the bathing suit and the sash. Mm-hmm. And the thigh high boots, but uh, yeah, it is out there. It was part of a three pack with a Captain America and Radioactive Man. That's weird. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't very. It, it wasn't very widespread. You know, like it's not uh, one of the more widespread three packs. So, gotcha. Okay, cool. Uh, next up. Next up, Spider Man gets a Superman style twist in Heroes Reborn spinoff. Uh, Hyperion's pal Peter Parker gets his own Heroes Reborn title, but don't call him Spider-Man. Um, the the makeover makes him more like Jimmy Olsen than anything. So as part of the Heroes Reborn event, Spider-Man will be reimagined in a new one-shot titled Peter Parker, The Amazing Shutterbug Number 1. This Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen-esque take on Marvel's wall crawler will be written by journalist turned fiction writer and podcast co-host Mark Bernardin and artist Raphael De, De La Torre. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Has he, I don't suppose that it's probably talked about it on fat man beyond. Yeah. He has talked about it. He just, yeah. he dropped it uh, on the most recent episode because it's, uh, you know, timed with this article. Right. Cool. Um, in unsurprising news, Immortal Hulk number 43 skyrockets on eBay following anti-Semitic uh, alleged, I guess this article saying, uh, art controversy. Mm-hmm. So we talked about the controversy over uh, some artistic choices last week in, in last week's uh, Immortal Hulk 43. We don't necessarily have to go through it over again. But again, like, like I said, no surprise that uh, those copies, and I feel like we kind of mentioned as much <laughs> last week. Right. Well, uh, well, well, well. Uh, you have to mention the fact that they essentially recalled the issue. They have, yes, uh, and that leads to you know that leads to the perceived uh, uh, lowered supply of the book, right? And thereby making it a um, a collector's item of sorts. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I got my copy. <laughs> I did. I picked up my pull. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're usually up on your pull more than I am. Cause I ain't, yeah, but so yeah, but that's that's that whole thing. Like I said, not surprised that this was happening. So and whether it's going to end up actually being worth anything at some point, who knows? But apparently, it's on eBay at thirty dollars at this point. No, it's actually more like twenty. But yeah, I mean that's, well, that's what's what kind of article settled. Saying, yeah, this article saying it's over thirty. So I don't know. And again, this was from when it when it uh, this was from five days ago. So right. No, no, it says price is settled after you got to, uh, at the end of the article, it says it's settled. They're routinely selling on eBay for roughly 20. So oh, okay. I'm looking at the thing underneath the title though. The, 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 the Bible. Right. Right. So, right. So, but, um, but yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, uh, 
for for um, uh, for comics to hit the twenty dollar mark, you know, it, it it says something. You know, these books are yeah. four bucks a pop, so you know, it's 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 uh, gone up five times in value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, next up though. X next up. I oh, know yeah, I was going to say this is mine. Uh, X Men villain team Dark Riders is remade as Marvel's newest team of superheroes. Magic launches her own X Men team in Curse of the Man Thing. <laughs> um, so this is going to debut in May. A term, a team of monstrous mutants led by Magic called the Dark Riders. It's going to debut, as I said, in X Men and on May fifth, in May in May fifth, X Men: The Curse of the Man Thing number one, the third in a three part limited series by writer Steve Orlando, focused on the Man Thing. Whereas previous issues spotlighted the Avengers and Spider Man, this will spotlight this new X Men team f- comprised of Marrow, Forearm, Shark Girl, Wolf Cub, Mammo Max, and the aforementioned Magic. Okay, so interesting stuff. Does that Mammo Max mean something to you? Because I don't know who that is. No, but I always got a kick out of the name. Mm. And, you know, Mammo Max, if I, if I recall correctly, looks like an elephant. Mm. Which is, I guess, yeah, to the, to the, to the left of us on this, uh, in this image here. That's a weird pairing, but all right, we'll see how that plays out when it comes out, I guess. Um, wait, was that Shang-Chi in the back? No. Okay, never mind. Uh, no, uh, that's what you want to call it. That's um, he used to be a member of um, the Mutant Liberation Front. That oh, guy, oh. the forearm. That's forearm, forearm. I think. Gotcha. Uh, Marvel Comics is bringing back the classic version of the Defenders this summer, pivoting away from the next flicks inspired roster introduced in 2017's Defenders comic. The new Defenders, or at this point, it probably should be called the new, new, new Defenders, because I'm pretty sure they've done the new division to Defenders before. Um, but obviously, you know, whatever. Anyway. Um, the new Defenders team looks to feature mostly classic members with Doctor Strange rallying his allies to battle a new threat to the Marvel timeline. Marvel has uh, yet revealed the creative team or details on the new project, uh, but they have released a new teaser image drawn by the History of the Marvel Universe artist Javier Rodriguez, uh, which you can see in this article. Uh, you can also see in this uh, the image of the cover that Doctor Strange is there and the Mask Rider, who is a more recent uh, addition to the Marvel Universe. I think we've only seen one time. I think this article notes that it was Marvel Comics 1000 mm-hmm. um, where this person to come up. And this article is also speculating that um, that because of Al Ewing was the creator being associated with the Mask Rider, they that it postulated it could be Ewing writing this new defenders defenders, uh, which I'd be down for. And Javier Rodriguez uh, doing the art, I if that is indeed ends up being the creative team, I'd be down for that. You know, we we like uh, we like some L Ewing around here. Yep. And also there, there's some tarot cards, which I wonder if has anything to do with going back to that tarot series uh, that came out last year that seemingly went. No, nowhere. Not in there, nowhere. But it felt like it was bringing up stuff that might come back up. But you know, we don't know what it would. Because it's basically one of those. Hey, here's a new story, but it was based in the past. Which this also seems like this could be kind of invoking. But we'll see when that happens. 
Um, I don't think we have a, we don't know, wait, did it say when it's actually coming out? No. So, okay, that's the thing. Next up. Next up. So, uh, this news dropped earlier today, or at least Thursday. Um, and this is mild spoilers because this is, um, you know, this was stuff that was dropped as part of announcements for books that are coming out um, in uh, April, May, and June. Those are uh, issues of Guardians of the Galaxy as. Uh, Al Ewing wraps this initial larger story arc and uh, sends the Guardians into a new, more super heroic direction with a new roster. And the Guardians of the Galaxy's, quote, new age of space, unquote, full cosmic lineup has been revealed by Marvel. As villain Doctor Doom joins the team's ranks. And we link to our very own at TimDog98's reporting on this over at CBR. Um, Marvel Comics announced the final two members as they were doing kind of a slow rollout of Al Ewing and Juan Frigeri's Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, he, uh, Al Ewing stated one of these things is not like the others. One of these things just doesn't belong. Not exactly the, um, the, the song from Sesame street, but, uh, what's Dr. Doom doing here and why there's only one way to find out Ewing teased in a statement. Um, the roster, uh, the complete lineup of Ewing and Frigeri's guardians of the galaxy includes star Lord, Nova, Gamora, Groot, Hulkling, Wiccan, Rocket Raccoon, Moondragon, Doctor Doom, Avril Kincaid, Quasar, Super Scroll, Philavel, Drax, Mantis, Marvel Boy, Hercules, Hercules, and the original Quasar, Wendell Vaughn. So there's a whole mess of Guardians on these three um, interlocking covers, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Al Ewing juggles all this. Same. And also, this also kind of harkens back to uh, the post-Annihilation era Guardians, if I'm not mistaken, where the team, you know, the team basically came back out from Annihilation and at some point ended up shaking up his roster every other issue, seeming like. So I don't know if he's... Right, they also have... Right, they also have... um, uh, some of the, some of their uniforms, at least the core guardians that we're familiar with, have uniforms that are inspired by that mm-hmm. uh, era, the blue and the red mm-hmm. uh, uniforms. Uh, so it's interesting to see. I'm I'm looking forward to this. You know, yeah, the same. the guardians have been a little bit hit and miss over the last several series, but seeing them kind of go back into the super heroic direction uh, could prove to be pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and apparently, I don't know if you've said or not, but um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 13, which is going to start this off, is a double-sized uh, 175th issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, and coming out in April. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, we look forward to that. Uh, which actually also makes me want to go back and read that old Guardians run, because I don't think I did fully. Because I remember, as we talked about when we talked about um, Annihilation last year... Mm-hmm. around that time I wasn't really you know kind of up on it and I do I remember right. the team and that's the current team that folks know um but yeah I didn't really get into that version because I was all about the OG the OG Guardians 
But still like this version, but it's like, you know, I knew I knew there were a thing. I just don't think I've ever read it. Anyway. Right. Uh, and it was a it was a big I think it was a not a big surprise, but it was definitely a surprise that uh what uh, Marvel Studios decided to do was to take that version and bring them into the MCU. So mm-hmm. that was uh you know, that proved to be a big uh uh jumping on point for a lot of people into those characters. Yep, this is true. This is true. Um but then, yeah, I, I guess thinking about it. Like, but not me. I was reading it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You were already on, on board with it. So, you know. Um, and like I said, I knew about him. And I think I might have touched on a couple of issues here and there. But it was like I didn't really get into the run as right as so swiftly. Um, and I was about to say, yeah, I guess it made sense to go with that version as opposed to the OG Guardians. Because that was probably a little harder sale. Would have been a, a little harder sale at, at this point. You know, although Ant Man ended up being what it is, but that's still slightly different. <laughs> like there's still like Earth tied to it, like with with Quill. Of course. So that makes a lot more sense than just like, oh no, here's here's this future Earther and Mars and you know, a whole thing that could maybe, maybe not have happened. Mm-hmm. Listen, I poke fun. I, you know, I, I love poking fun at DC, you know, because they stay losing. Shout out to Eclectic. But uh, we are literally going to live in a world where we're going to have not one, not two, but three Ant-Man movies. Yeah, that's crazy. It's it's unbelievable. Right. When we get to that point, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be just, you know, like... We can't get like a halfway decent Justice League movie. We're going to have three Ant Man movies. Unreal. Right. And people, even before then, coming out, because I remember people like Ant Man. Well, one, who is Ant Man? And, uh, you know, and two, why? Who would think this was a good idea? And come to find out that's a lot of people's favorite, favorite, uh, uh right. set of movies. Right. And three movies. We're going to have three movies later. Mm-hmm. So, so. In uh, and some very good news for me as a as a uh, lover of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Uh, you ever wonder what powers are run about? Uh, how generations of Cardassian and then Federation engineers help keep uh, Terak Nor, aka Deep Space Nine's titular space station, running on seemingly nothing but Miles o- Miles O'Brien's disdain. Good news! This week, the only book you've wanted to read has arrived, and and uh, according to IO9 Gizmodo, they have a look inside. So, out this week from Eagle Moss and Heroes Collectors uh, Star Trek range, Simon Hugo and Ben Robinson's Deep Space Nine: The Illustrated Handbook uh, gives fans an in-universe look at the tech behind one of the most beloved Trek shows around. Uh, from Federation runabouts to the legacy of Cardassian designed because uh, Cisco's team has to deal with transforming DS9 into a hub of Federation and Bajoran interests, all the way to the breaking down the Defiant. Uh, the vanguard of the Starfleet's war against the Dominion, the book is filled with artwork and stills from DS9 highlighting everything that makes the titular station tick. So I am absolutely going to. I did not know this was coming out, and I am absolutely going to get this because I love me some Deep Space Nine. Period. Uh, see, it is out now. Does no word on the price though. I'm going to check on that now. Yeah, thank you. But yeah, as you can see from the, um, you can see from 
the images in here, you know, you, you it's get to see 34. Yeah. Cover price is 34 95, but you can get it, uh, the hardcover sure. at, uh, for a little bit less on Amazon, which I might actually do. Normally I would get like a, I have a digital copy of the Star Trek manual. The Star Trek, mm-hmm. Star Trek enterprise manual. I would probably possibly get uh, a physical and digital copy of this. Because I am stupid like that. It looks like fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love things like this. Like I don't necessarily like dig into them like that closely, but I do love these these books like this, uh, especially that uh, the Star Trek uh, Enterprise Tech Manual was really good. I love it. it. Proves what kind of nerd I am, though. So that's cool. I'm uh, like I said, I will definitely be um to be checking this out. Next up, though. All right. Next up in comic book business news. Image Comics is ending blanket returnability. So in a sign that the comic business is at least on the way to going back to normal, Image Comics is ending its line-wide returnability program. Diamond Comic Distributors told its customers this past Tuesday, Image is maintaining its no-risk number one program, which offers returns on selected first issues, affecting four issues solicited in January and seven in February. Image was in it for the long haul. It first announced that it would make its line returnable last March in response to the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. Yeah, that's that's. I think the the I guess the main part that they're keeping is is still pretty good because I I feel like we talked about this back then, but wasn't mm-hmm. really sure about you know the full gist of it. Yeah, I mean this is comic book retailer you know specific stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the the issue of returnability of unsold uh, product, you know the, uh, definitely is um, you know having that. Uh, as a backup plan for retailers, obviously was a good thing. But as you know, as, as things slowly open back up, I guess you know, Image uh, feels like it can uh, afford to go back to the way it normally runs. Right. So I guess that's a good sign. We'll see how that works out. Last but not least, pardon. Uh, seductive new series Carmen lands Milo Manara variant. Uh, the highly anticipated U.S. edition of Carmen, with a K, uh, by best-selling artist, or writer excuse me, and artist uh, Guillaume March, or Marsh, I guess, I'm not sure, uh, will showcase a dreamy variant cover by lauded artist uh, Milo Manara. Uh, originally published by du- Dupuis, Dupuis in Belgium as a graphic novel, Carmen will be reproduced and introduced to U.S. audiences in a single-issue periodical format, this March from Image Comics. Uh, Carmen is a provocative story that explores grief, suicide, and redemption told as uh, a, visual, a visual feast for the eyes and featuring ethereal, fantastic artwork to set the tone. So for those that don't know about Milo Minara, I know, if I'm not mistaken, he's usually a more... Um, cheesecake is not the word for it. Um, it's close to it. Yeah. Um, his, his work is usually more, um, um, I guess it's seductive, more, more, um, more titillating. Some would say, 
uh, and I don't know if we've done too much uh, U.S. work, if not, I think, but I know I've come across, come across this article and some of his work. Because some of y'all think J. Scott Campbell does some stuff, and, and the stuff that Frank Cho was doing, which is actually, I'm not going to know anyone put him in the frame, same frame as Frank Cho, because that's just a whole other situation. But you know, <laughs> European tastes are different from, from, uh, from, um, US's, which is kind of sad because, like, it's. I've seen some of his art and some some gorgeous art, uh, in some cases. Um, like I said, a little more subjective, subjective in, in the in, in that, but um, you know, he's lauded as a good artist for a reason. So, there you go. Um, I don't know if I will be checking this out, but hey, there you go. That's the thing. Uh, and that is it, folks, for the news for tonight. We will get into our last ad read. Our last ad read of the night, and you know what we read when it's late. Help keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or that Deep Space Nine technical manual. Um, which I've referenced earlier. Um, for every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Uh, As we come to the end of another episode of this here Combo Chronicles, I would like to thank each and every one of you for coming out, being a part of this whole thing, whether it's uh, live or after the fact on audio, or even some I've seen some of you have been watching the video, so appreciate it. Uh, I have been Rydicat. You can find me at Rydicat on Twitter. You can find me at News Notes Need on Twitter. You can also find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, sure. Uh, PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Net on Twitter. Pop Culture Network.com. And, uh, and I think he's still doing that whole bite replacement or the screaming vine replacement thing bite on the comic reviews, no vowels. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the Osiris of this ish. We referenced him earlier with one of his uh, with one of his articles. Uh, you can find him that, that on Twitter. You can also find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles uh, uh, Twitter account. Also, The Click Nation on Twitter. Uh, that's the K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, theclicknation.com. But also, Comic Book Resources, the site uh, where we get a lot of our news from. There's no relation because we were doing that before before Tim started working there. But you can also find Tim at Comic Book Resources where he's over there writing his face off. Go check out his stuff. He's, he's actually a, a, a really good writer and he's been busting his ass. So uh, we are very proud of our Tim. Um, that's being, oh wait, excuse me, that's not it. Um... You can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this on, a, on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, uh, or Apple Podcasts, however you choose, whichever. Um, Spotify or the Coastal Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Remember to hit uh, like and subscribe and leave us five-star reviews. 
Indeed, all of that, all of that. Um, you can also catch us recording live, like some of you have done, on either youtube.com slash theclicknation or twitch.tv slash chronicles, all one word. And also, like I said, um, if we... Well, I, I I am very bad at doing plugs like this, you know, but still, if we get up to 50 um, followers on the, the Twitch channel, we can actually start uploading some other goodies that we have in the pocket from past shows, uh, if people are inclined. And we are definitely going to, I'm hoping we are definitely going to start streaming some other things on uh, on the channel, you know, video game wise, possibly. But we'll see. We shall see. Um, again, every Thursday night, 9.30ish p.m. Uh, is when we record, if I did not say that already, which I believe I did. Uh, again, Happy Lunar New Year to everyone out there. Um, WandaVision coming up in the next couple of hours uh, of the recording, so you know, be sure to check that out. No spoilers, folks. Don't be in the ass. Right. Um, Although, everyone is forewarned if you don't watch it right away, you may want to stay off social media for a little while. That's just, you know, it's just a wise thing to do. It sucks that you have to do that, but yeah. Like, you shouldn't have to do that when, you know, idiots are out there. But yeah, if you definitely want to go in spoiler-free. And also for the fact that, let's be honest, um, it's not just people in general spoiling, but it's also people with the news. You know, the news, right. cycle, news, news cycles are going to news cycle, so therefore, you know, your comic book resources and not singling them out or, you know, just other news places are just going to get to jump out, you know, and with news articles pertaining to WandaVision and videos and such and such and such. Right. I mean, just imagine what it was like when you were waiting to watch Endgame. And you weren't able to get your tickets right away, and you had to wait until you know it, it, it dropped on a Thursday evening. I was out Thursday evening to watch it. Same, uh, but we were doing that because uh, we're crazy. So, <laughs> no, but no, but but the point being that uh, for those people who weren't able to get tickets, uh, who aren't uh, normally opening night or even preview night viewers, like like we were just referencing, you know, people who go on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's not you and you're just not able to get to it and you're only going to get to it a day or two or three later uh, from its release, then, yeah, you kind of know what the routine is by now. You just have to stay off of social media. And as Roddy Cat mentioned, it's also part of the news cycle. So, you know, don't hit up, you know, CBR, Newsarama or Games Radar, they're, you know, whatever they're called now and all that other stuff. Just uh, stay away from it. But uh, it's probably best if you just go out and watch it so you can jump into the um, discussion. Right. Or if you don't care, then, you know, go for Delph. You know, that's you have that power in your hands, like Captain Power would say. Oh, no. Or Captain Planet, like Captain Power. That's a whole different thing. I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I was watching Toy Galaxy recently, and I was like, okay, yeah. And I've been dancing around playing the uh, their Captain Planet one. So if if people don't know about Toy Galaxy, it's a, it's a YouTube channel uh, that that goes through the history of toy related properties. Um, it's good stuff. Anywho, folks, that is it. Uh, we are out of here. Like I said, um, we'll be back next week, nine thirty-ish p.m. on the Thursday at the place that we've already mentioned. This. Has been the Comfort Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One. Whoa.